So let's get to Takeover. Um, Takeover was fantastic, by the way. Takeover, for my money, might legitimately be one of the best WWE WWE shows ever. Super cards ever, yeah. I agree. Um, Now, the one, the, the measuring stick for me was always the first Takeover Brooklyn. Yes. And I think that's because we were there and we also got that unbelievable Bailey Sasha match. Yeah. We also had a. Tushin Thunder Liger was on the card. Right, right. To me, top to bottom, this was a better show. Yeah, I agree. And that's saying something. <clears throat> yeah. When, when now, me I, and you sat there and talked about this or, or texted or whatever we were doing, we we're trying to decide what the worst match of the night was. Yeah. And it's a ma- and the worst match of the night for both of us probably would be like a, at least a four star match. Or, or at the very least, better than just about everything that was on WrestleMania. Oh, I agree. WrestleMania, yeah. to this point, I mean, it sounds terrible to say, but, like, I enjoyed Mania, and we'll get to that, but it's more the spectacle and the, and the, and the matches. When I sit down to watch the NXT, it's the match quality. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, WrestleMania turns out a lot of times to do a couple high spots here, high spots, because that's what it's expected. But, like, we'll, we'll just jump right in. To start the match... With the ladder match, or start the, the card with the ladder match for the North American Championship, first of all, was brilliant. Yep. Um, who they put in the match, I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Because I'm not a huge fan of every one of those guys. Right. But I think anybody who watched the match had more than one guy they could get behind. Oh, yeah. Like, no, I remember texting you, I don't really even care who won. I just didn't want to see Lars Sullivan. And to yeah. be honest, by the end of that match, I'm like, you know what? Uh, Lars Sullivan's all right. He's getting better. Like he's oh, growing on me. Can we? Can Can I celebrate one thing real quick before we Before we finish talking about everything? Yeah. All right. I have to say you're the this. host. I, you can do I, I, I want. Co-host. Co-host. I so like being the sidekick. Here's something. That, here's when, something. Thing, when the things go off the rail, they'll blame you and not me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh God. Um, I have never done. I don't think I've ever done something like this before. But I was able to call every single match on the card who would win and even be able to call what happened in the tag team match to a degree. I will bear witness, and just for the record, I kept the text. So (laughs) if anybody ever gives you any grief about it, um, and, and for the record, between this and Mania, I think I called just about every match wrong. Oh, I, for Mania, I was, I, yeah, I, I was so but even off here, on Mania. Um, I got, well, I didn't call them all. I got two of the five right. Yeah. But you were five for five and called the Roger Strong turn. Yeah. But, so anyway, I digress. Uh, one of the things that uh, was incredible about this match is that we got, we really, in a way, uh, you know, kind of got the, the coming out party, if you will, for Ricochet, uh, but also EC3. You know, it was like... It, to, to, to have them in this match on this level of a stage, at, you know, so soon after coming into WWE, I thought said a lot about their faith in both of those guys. Um, and then when you look at the overall match, I mean, we knew this. Like, I don't think anybody who'd seen a Ricochet match would have doubted it for a second. But he blew that crowd away. Even some of the more casual fans or younger fans that might not have known who he was... Well, there's no way that anybody could be like, oh, who's this guy? You know, and, by the time the match is over. And, and I don't want to, I'm sorry, I have a tendency to doing this is, is constantly going back to my son. But the reason I do is because I get to watch some of this stuff play out through the eyes of a 10-year-old fan. Now, 
he had never seen Ricochet. But you try to explain to him how good Ricochet is, but you can't do it justice. And what I loved about the match was they started by highlighting Ricochet right out of the shoe. Within a minute of that match, my son Trinity is like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, yep, that is the one and only Ricochet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I thought it was smart how they highlighted him right out of the shoot. Um, I'm just looking at the people in the match. I mean, I'm not the world's biggest fan of Killian Dane or Lars Sullivan. And I think that has more to do with me as a fan. I'm not, I usually don't gravitate towards the big bruiser types, but I thought they did a fantastic job. Yeah, um, and n- normally I would agree with you, uh, although I really like Killian Dane a lot. Uh, Lars. I'm just sort of like, okay, I get it. He's a big monster, and they want to push him like a big monster. But, like you just said, in this match, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, he did great. Um, They both did a great job, and I think a match like this is harder for a big guy because it's just... Yeah, I mean, what a, Although, a lot of times it's it's not even the acrobatic moves. They have to do things with the ladder, but they're already expected to, to demolish people, so they have to get a little creative. And I thought that it was really smart the way that the announce team brought up the fact that Kane had won a ladder match before. Like that, I mean, the announcing's so freaking on point. I love these takeover Mario shows Ranolo. too. Yeah, I love Nigel McGuinness. But I remember, I remember during the show, I texted you. Oh yeah, uh, I only oh, had Percy. two complaints. Um, one is I agree with you. The weird opening music oh, number was to start the awful. show was awful. The way it was just done. Yeah, but I'm not going to split hairs. It was what it was. That's yeah. fine. Um, I still think the best beginning of a takeover was the Brooklyn one I was at, where Triple H was in the ring with all the lights yes. out. Yep. But um, that and the only complaint I had was I'm sorry, I don't like Percy Watson that much. Yeah. Um, I just think these shows would be perfect with a two-man team of Nigel and Mara. Yeah, That's not the right on Percy. Percy, I'm not trying to be that guy. Um, obviously, he, there's a reason he's an announcer on NXT TakeOver shows, and I'm not. Right, right, you know, right. Like, sure, so sure. I don't begrudge anybody. Um, I just, sometimes I think he gets in the way of the other two. Now, that's not to say he won't get better or find his niche more with them, and that's fine. It's yeah. just like Mara Ranallo is so over as an announcer that I can't remember what it was in the show, but somebody did a move and oh, the yeah. crowd chanted Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Yeah. 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 But, well, um, and, and speaking of crazy moves, like I, you gotta, you gotta give a lot of credit to like Velveteen Dream who did some. I was some just going to say, I love Velveteen Dream. Now, <sighs> and we talked about he's raw. Yeah. And, and, but his athleticism and his, he just has a knack for making things seem big. Yeah. Like, the way he presents his character, the way he does things. Like, to me, he's got star written all over him. It might take longer because he's got to get better in the ring. Right, I agree. he's athletic enough and good enough now that you could see that he'll get there. Well, he he should get there. I think the the thing about him and the amazing thing about the fact that he's in NXT is that... He's 22 years old. Kind of what I was saying, too, about Roman earlier, about that sort of the dimensionality. Right now... In in ring work only, not the character, not his charisma, not his athleticism, but his in ring work does feel a little one dimensional. But what he does, he does really, really well. I would yeah. just love to see him. I would just love to see him get a little bit more depth, a little bit more shape, and then and then after that, yeah, I think he's. But we almost forget. Star. And this is a credit to WWE and probably Triple H because this is his baby. That they do such a good job with this, we forget it's developmental. Right, right. It's it's exactly built 
to do for Velveteen Dream what it's about what it's to doing. do. Yeah, no, you're right. We just we look past that because we have Adam Cole and EC3 guys. I mean, and I remember a guy I work with was asking me, like, what is the point of sending guys like Shinsuke Nakamura or Adam Cole to developmental? They don't need it. But you know what? I mean, there's a whole different world when you come to WWE. Yes. And I was watching a, a documentary. A lot of it is just to learn where the cameras are yep. or how to turn a certain way because it's it's not just the wrestling they're fine it's a TV production the best the best thing I ever heard was when Finn Balor was being asked about how you know because after he'd made his debut and and uh, you know was working down there and he admitted to the fact that he felt overwhelmed and intimidated because it was so different than anything he'd ever done before and once he gets in that ring, like, there are a few better, as far as I'm concerned, than Finn Balor at his best. Oh, I agree. That said, when it came to the production side of things, you know, and the camera placement, like you're talking about, he just, he didn't know how to work with that. Yeah, they had that little video, it was him and Triple H. Yep. And when Triple H did, like, small stuff, like, when you're going to do that, you got to take a quarter turn because the hard camera's there. Yeah. Where, like, and, and you see that now, even in New Japan, like, the camera work compared to WWE's night and day. Yeah. Because they're, they're presenting it as a fight, and this is a TV show. Right. But that's the things in, in, they have to learn and develop mental. And the how only, cool is it that Triple ahead. H is the guy that's kind of teaching this stuff? Because you hear stories about Triple H that when he was starting out in WWF, that he would actually, like, talk to the camera guys. He would talk to... Because he wanted to know, like... Where does this camera point? Like where? And that was what started to earn him so much respect backstage. It's like Jim Ross points it out, I think, at one point about how he would see, you know, Triple H going out and talking to the production crew yeah. and asking questions. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, well, of, of course that guy is going to be the guy that has the reins or something like this. Because in any business, honestly, that's the person that, you know, it's like when, when I worked as an actor, like I, I, you know, my whole thing was I wanted to know what everyone, you know, when a production assistant, for, for instance, would be setting something up backstage or whatever, and, and I had one time in particular when I was working as an understudy on a big show, and I, you know, and I was talking to the production assistant, and I was like, you know, what's your like, what's your lane? Like, how are you getting from point A to point B? Because I didn't want to be in the way, and it yeah. made things so much easier. You know, the choreography that happens backstage sometimes isn't necessarily directed the same way as what you see on stage. Now, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. And so, having the opportunity to have those discussions and not look at it as like I'm an actor and you're just a production assistant well, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's everybody bullshit. has their role. I mean, exactly. if you look at, like, even in my line of work, right, like, full disclosure, I work for the local school district and the maintenance department. Now, it, they'll tell teachers when they come in to befriend the secretaries and the yeah. janitors. Because sure. they know the heartbeat of the building. They know everything that's going on. They know who's cool, who's not. When you go to these shows, the camera guys and the backstage guys are the ones that know everything, that, you know. Right. They're there all the time. They know how to, like, the camera guy can make you a star. I mean, and not to, to change it to New Japan, but, like, how many times when you watch a New Japan show, when the action spills out one of the multi-man tag matches out of the ring, and you'll hear the announcers going crazy because somebody just got slammed into the rail in front of them, but yeah. it wasn't on, it wasn't on. You miss it, yeah. You miss yeah. it. Like, that would never happen in WWE. No. And that's the production quality. And they, you know, you got to know where those cameras are. And it's small things. Like when the camera's on you outside, you'll watch a WWE guy hardly ever look straight into the camera. Yeah. They look past it unless they're trying to do something. But, I mean, it's small stuff like that, and that's what they need to learn in developmental. Right. But 
you know, but like you get back to this match. I mean, we're talking about how great it was. We didn't even mention really EC3 or Adam Cole yet. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I, you know, I will have to say, and, and this is just me, but if I were, you know, if I were to try to rank the individuals within the match, I might actually have EC3 towards the bottom. Um, but, uh, but that said, it was still great well, to see him in the it ring. It depends on, like, are we talking about what they are right now? Like, because, like, I, I would say EC3 is a better wrestler and further along to Velveteen Dream, but I think Velveteen Dream's potential, but if we're judging them right now... I would argue that EC3 is easily one of the best wrestlers in that ring, without a doubt. I'm not trying to okay. say that. I'm just trying to say, yeah, where he is kind of in the hierarchy of this particular match. Like, it's not like... It, there there never became a time where I thought that... Like, there were times in this match where I was like, it's the Ricochet show, it's the, it's the Lars Sullivan show, it's the Killian Dane show, it's the Velveteen Dream show. I don't necessarily know that I ever said that about EC3. Well, well, I mean, and you, you predicted the match correctly, but the nice thing about it, and a lot of these matches in NXT, is, like, okay, you could look at it and say, okay, it's, this part's going to be the Ricochet show. This is the Adam Cole show now. And you never got that feeling with EC3, but the thing about these is it wouldn't have shocked anybody if right at the end he did something and won the match. That's very true. There, and there were times, and, there, and that's not to say that there weren't times during the match where he looked very strong. I mean, look, he's clearly an excellent worker, and he's got more experience than some of those guys. And, and there's a reason they wanted him, and he looks like a million freaking bucks. But at the end of the day, I just don't know that he had, he didn't necessarily have some of the big moments that the other guys got. And, oh, I agree. And, and I think that I that's agree. perfect, though, as well. You know, we talk about when we talk about New Japan and kind of building things and having those little moments within a match that help to tell a story. I think it's nice in a way that EC3 didn't get the same thing because, in a, I don't think he needs it the way he that doesn't those other need it right did. now too. He's all buzzed up as being the new guy. Yeah, in. exactly. And, and like Ricochet is the new guy in needed it because everybody was expecting to see Ricochet do crazy things. Like if Ricochet yes. was in that match and didn't do that stuff, we'd be like, wow, what was that? Right. You know, where he had to wear EC3. And, and shouldn't it be part of his character that he doesn't want to have to take unneeded risks? Right. He doesn't yeah. want to ha- damage himself. Right. You know, he should be able to go out and out wrestle somebody. Yeah. And I mean, that because that, he's in the top 1%. You know what I mean? Like, but it, it not only, but what I'm saying is, like, during the course of the, any match, they'll make you feel like everybody could win. But before this match even started, if you had told me six different ways, with six different winners, every one of them would be believable. Absolutely. And that, Absolutely. That's, that's good storytelling. That's building guys up the right way. You know, yeah. but at the at the end of the day, what's Adam Cole Adam won, Cole, baby, yeah. Which I thought, like, and I thought that helped throw off who was going to win the tag match. Yes. Like, I think a lot of people then figured, okay, they're not going to win because how's he going to defend both belts? And right. Bobby Fish is hurt. But we'll get to that. Yeah, uh, and and I think Adam Cole winning is is is, is the perfect route for them to go. It, it helps, you know. It, it helps immediately make that title again. Not that any of these guys winning wouldn't have been okay. I think there's just something about Adam Cole, in my opinion, having that title that immediately says this title is important. You know, yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, Adam Cole is a former what three-time Ring of Honor champion, mm-hmm. and 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 there aren't many people in that three-time club. I think it's 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 what it's him and. Um, Oh, I I thought he was the only. He might time. be. He might yeah. be. Yeah. When now he I beat Kyle O'Reilly for the belt at Wrestle Kingdom, I think they said. Now I don't know if anybody's done it since. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but you know, and not only that though, it makes the way this whole card plays out. It makes the all of Undisputed Era that much bigger. Right. They are a force to be reckoned with now. And yes. Eventually, they're going to have to bring those guys all up together. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I think that uh, I, I think that the other thing that's really great too about Adam Cole is, in in a way, he fits that kind of model of what I was saying earlier about how like you go out there and do your thing and whatever the fans think is fine. Like they're not trying to force Adam Cole into into getting the fans to hate him. You know what I mean? They're not trying to force him into into going out there and also being a good guy. They're just letting Adam Cole go out there and be Adam Cole, and and it works. You know, and and he and he he will kind of he'll be that's kind of the amazing thing about him too as a worker because he can draw sympathy as a heel and I I know that there's some people that would be like ah this is bullshit or whatever but I don't know I'm just really glad about that I think it was I I think it's it's it it was a good win solid good for him and and I'm glad that he won that belt as am I all right let's pause pause for the cause so what should I do just let it keep recording and we'll snap when I come back because I'm only gonna be a minute yeah stop all right give me one minute okay no problem Yeah, hang on, sorry, can you hear me? PJ, are you there? Hello? Shit, hang on, hang on, hang on. Can you hear me? Ah, hell. Can you hear me? Hello, hello? Fuck. Can you hear me? Are you there? Hello? Hello? You there? Okay, I'm back. Awesome, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear. I'm sorry. Dude, I was going to piss my pants. <laughs> no, no worries, man. No worries at all. It's totally fine. And it fine. worked out well because Joy and, and all of them got home, so I got to talk to Maggie for a minute. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Uh, I was I was starting to get concerned because I'm, I'm running low on battery power, but uh, I think I think we'll be okay. Um, yeah, we could speed things up a little bit because, like, we're not going to have to go in-depth in to some of these WrestleMania stuff. No, we no, can blow it through. We'll just, yeah, we'll go through it. So, All right, so uh, you want to do the snap back in? Yeah, you count me down. All right, sounds good. Three, two, one. Um, so yeah, so uh, after the ladder match, uh, which, you know, I think that there was certainly this element of like, how in the hell do they follow that? But the amazing thing is, is it didn't, 
it didn't feel like a letdown when the next match was the women's match with Shayna Baszler and Ember. No, I, I I didn't feel like it was a letdown at all. No, and it I'm glad different. they went with that because. I'm glad they, they didn't go right into another multi-tag or multiple people match. They went yeah. with a one-on-one match next. Yeah. Yeah. I, which was that's, smart. The other thing, too, is about the, the way that the, the, the card was built was also just, you know, it was perfect. Um, match placement, that is. Uh, I love Shayna going over here. I'm a big Shayna Baszler fan. I, I got to see her uh, um, uh, at Shimmer last July. It was her last Shimmer weekend and uh, it was funny because I was sitting front row and I was actually in her corner for, for like all of her matches. Um, and not just like her actual match, but she uh, would often accompany, because she was a member of Trifecta with Nicole Savoy and Mercedes Martinez. And um, she would often be in their corner for their matches. And so, you know, she'd stand over there and like jaw with the fans and talk with the fans and everything. Uh, and, and it was just a lot of fun and she was super cool and so incredibly nice. And at one point there was like this massive congestion of fans at the merch table. And, uh, I was talking to her and, uh, I didn't want to monopolize her time, but I was sort of like, Hey, I'm kind of waiting so I can get, you know, get like a picture autograph with, Mercedes and Nicole Savoy and she like immediately she just like turns to them and looks at them and she's like hey come here real quick guys and like got it you know she, she was just she's a cool person so I'm happy for her success and, and in addition to that she's she feels real and, yeah. and you know I love her work yeah and I thought you know she did great kudos to Ember Moon she always puts on a good show yeah. um I thought everybody everything about this made sense because I think it was time for Ember Moon to, to transition to the main roster because let's face it what what else was she going to do at the NXT level at this point right and you I you know, know it's, it's funny because I heard I heard a complaint about somebody saying about how they had not done Ember Moon any favors because of of the whole you know Asuka beating her every time and then she had to win the title in another way and I couldn't disagree more yeah, I even think if, even if you think that I mean, let's face it, this sounds like kind of silly, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's professional wrestling. Sure. The wins and losses are predetermined anyway. What does it matter how she got the title? Because all people are going to remember is that she got the title. Right. You yeah. know, and defended it well and beat, you know, beat quality uh, opponents and, and had, you know, and had a great match with Shayna last time and then has another great match with her now yeah. and then premieres on Raw. You know what I mean? And, and so let's it's face like it, too, like now that she's on Raw, they could go back to any time and have a feud between her and Asuka and they can go back to that feather in their cap that she couldn't beat Asuka. Right. And it gives you an instant story to get you right into a feud. Yeah. For what, however you want to build it. And and I agree. I I was surprised in one way. I thought Shayna Baszler was going to win the title at the last takeover. Me too, event. actually, yeah. Um, but they, they threw a little swerve at us. And you know what? If you looked at the timing of it, we should have saw it coming. Because we, we should have figured that if Ember Moon was going to go up, it was going to be either the Raw or SmackDown after Mania. Yeah. And which, in addition to that, you've got Ronda Rousey and Jessamyn Duke in the crowd. Which yeah, is perfect we should have saw it coming. You know, yeah. Yeah, but but the way they did the last match, where she was gonna t- almost have to tap out and got the the weird like uh, pin, uh, yeah. and then how they did this was just uh, what, what can I say? I don't have a single complaint about it. It was it was a good match, you know. And honestly, it was a really good match. I don't want to do it an injustice. It was a really good match. It was a really good match. And honestly, I would say that this was the, in, in a lot of ways, this was sort of the technical match of the show because none of the other match, and most of the rest of this card was a, was a brawl. Like there weren't, there weren't any other like technical heavy matches or, you know, like Lucha type matches or, you know what I mean? Like this was That's a fine, more though. scientific stand match. out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. Um, and they're, and they're both more than capable of doing 
doing that. Um, and the selling from both of them was fantastic. And I loved a lot of the plays off of the stuff that, you know, Shayna had done to Ember that Ember was now able to get back on Shayna for and, you know, and kind of put Shayna at the disadvantage because she's used to sort of being in control, especially when it comes to the grappling and to be able to, you know, have Ember not only out grapple her in a couple of places, but also then end up, you know, working that arm spot that Shayna and, had done and getting a little dirty, which was cool. So And here's another thing that NXT had done very well. We they already can transition to Shanna's next feud. They could put her in there with Kari Sane because yep. they have a beef. I mean, they could at any point can bring Dakota Kai into the mix because she's got yes. a beef. Which I mean, that, they, that'll be they, great. They set up one feud before they end a feud, which yeah. is just smart. Yeah, it's but, the way it um, should be. It's it's like what yeah. it's, it's what New Japan does a lot of times. You know, and, and you can usually see that too. stuff going. Yeah, and, and you know what? Credit to these two too. They were put in a tough position because yeah. There were so many call-ups with the women's division at once that it really thinned it out, and these two had to carry it. Yeah. And they did not—I'm not going to say, oh, they did a nice job. They did a fantastic job. Yeah. The women's division didn't skip a beat. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, So congrats to Shayna. Looking forward to see what she does. We get the tag team title match next, the triple threat. Also, we should mention also for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic trophy as well. Um, Yeah. So the Undisputed Era retains the titles, but not how you would expect. Um, Well, let's just for anybody, you know, it was Adam Cole was defending with Kylie O'Reilly because Bobby Fish is hurt. So they were using Freebird rules, which now Adam Cole had just won the North American Championship. You're figuring it's a great setup because now you're thinking he can't constantly defend two belts. Plus, that's why I picked Dunn and Strong because I'm figuring the Arthurs of Pain are going up. Right. So I'm thinking they're going to do this real nice story with Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong, how they feuded, came together. Now they're going to have a title run together, and at some point it'll self-destruct. Right. Well, no, no, no. That's not what happened at all. No. No, it's not. And so the match itself was uh, it was interesting, and it felt uh, – for me, I when we talked about ranking the matches uh, on the card, I actually did have it at the bottom of my list, which is in no way saying I didn't like it. But well, something's got to be the bottom, even if right. all, you're going to have but five it, matches and they're all five star, but one of them is going to get ranked at the bottom of your you know, it's opinion. Exactly. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, it, ultimately this match ended up being more about that finish than anything else. And so it didn't tell the same kind of story. It was it was more about let's go out there and kind of throw in some big moves and have chaos. And then, you, you know, and then we'll and then we'll get to the finish. And and that's not to say that there wasn't a build to the match or an arc to the match or any of that sort of stuff. It just didn't necessarily feel like it told a story in the same way that the other matches did. Because even though okay. we had a demolition derby ladder match to start the show off, it still felt like it told a really cool story. You're right. It is okay, and it worked, and it works because the authors of Pain are great at going in there and yeah. doing those big bomb moves. And you've got you know Dunn and Strong are so technically sound and gifted wrestlers, and then you got Kyle O'Reilly, who's you know arguably one of the best like non real life MMA guys who wrestles an MMA type you know match yeah. with all of his grappling and strikes. Um, you know what? One of the reasons it worked. Because it was only 11 minutes and 38 seconds. Uh, yes, that is very true. Which kind of surprised me, and I think that because of the finish, it was that made it even cooler that it was that it was that short. Um, well, yeah, because but, you figured that it was going to go on longer. But like you said, it didn't tell the same kind of a story. It was more yeah. about spots and getting us to the end that it didn't feel overdone because it was only 11 minutes and 38 seconds. So right. by the time they get in there and you have the feeling out process, then it was like bang, 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 bang. 
and then you get to the finish. It was, and, and especially the latter match was a half hour, and the next two matches were going to be almost 20 minutes and 40 minutes. So it really, I thought it was smart to keep it kind of short. And when yeah. you have, like, the authors of pain in a match, it shouldn't be a long 35-minute, because they're, like you said, they're in there to inflict maximum damage. Yeah. So their matches don't need to be long. No. Plus, you already had Adam Cole wrestle one match on the card, which was a 31-minute demolition derby. Yep. So everything about that was strong. Like you said, we we didn't really have a story. We get to the end. For those who haven't seen it, you want to explain what happened? Yeah. So it looked like Pete Dunne was about ready to uh, score the win for his team. Um, and then all of the sudden Roderick Strong comes in and just destroys Pete Dunn. But the way and, they did it was great. I'm sorry to interrupt because right. he was on the outside. Yep. Uh, Roderick Strong. When Pete Dunn hit his finishing maneuver, um, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. I, I can picture it. I just can't remember the name of it. But he ran back into the ring and it didn't look fishy at all because it looked like he was running to make sure nobody could run in to break the, the pinfall. Yes, yes. That's why it worked, too. It didn't, right up until the moment it happened, it looked right. And, right. and I, me thinking they were going to win the match, it looked like that was going to be where they won. Yeah, uh, Bitter End is, is, is done. I'm sorry, that's sure. I, yeah. I could not for the life of me remember that. And then, yeah, but it, but you're right, it really did. It, it, was, it was a perfect, uh, you know, as much as I kind of hate to use this term sometimes, but it was a perfect swerve. Uh, and and I think that the thing that was really interesting about it, too, is that even Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly at first didn't know what to make of it. Because there's that idea and that notion that in like the fans' minds, in some fans' minds anyways, oh, he's doing this because those two have had a beef. But then he grabs the armband and he puts on the undisputed armband and it's like that sealed the deal as saying like, I didn't do this because I hate Pete Dunne. I didn't only do this because I hate Pete Dunne. I did this because I'm taking you up on your offer. Yeah. And that's the the way they presented it. It wasn't a plan between the three of them. Right. They seemed then they they're acting and that was great, especially Adam Cole, the look on his face. They sold it as they were as surprised as anybody in the arena. Just what happened. Yeah. And like you said, now he reaches down. And at first, it looks like he's going to help Adam Cole up. Right. Adam Cole's like a little standoffish. Then he grabs his arm, makes it look like he's going to do something, and he rips off the armband and puts it on. And yeah. it's not to that point where O'Reilly and um, Cole, their facial expressions change. They realize what's going on. Yeah. And then, and then to seal it, because at this point, you're still thinking, who knows exactly how they're going to handle it. He went over and got them the tag team belts. Yeah. Like, and he gave each one. Like, I was kind of hoping. The only little thing I didn't like about it, and it's such a small nitpicky thing, I felt like Adam Cole should have then took, taken the tag team belt and given it to Roderick Strong. Like, when they were in the ring, posing, sure. it would have looked better if they all had a belt on because he had his North American belt. Yeah. Now, it's, it's a small thing because the next day at Access, they came out, Roderick Strong had the belt on. Because yeah. they're doing free bird rules. He's going to defend it. And another thing I love, too, is then they went up to the entrance ramp with the belts to pose with the Dusty sta- Cup statue, and they made sure Bobby Fish came out. Yeah. So it was all of them. And yes. now they're going to present them as this, like, and, and really, if you look at the way NXT set up, they should be able to run rough shot. Yeah. 
Yeah, without, without a doubt, and I and I think that it's great, and I think that you know the seeds are already planted to have Mustache Mountain then come in and feud with them. So you're going to be able to get some really kick-ass six mans well, with like you know Adam Cole, yeah, they Powell, go by one. Is, is that is that the same team that goes by British Strong Style? Where yeah, it's bait, seven, bait seven, done. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're going to get three on a six-man matches for a while, and then eventually when Fish gets healthy, if they're not called up at that point. They're gonna have to do like, add somebody or figure something out, but you know, and I think it's a great way too to keep the belt on them. But every time they defend the belt, Bobby Fish should come out with them. Keep uh, yeah. him in everybody. Don't let him be the forgotten member. Here. No, have Keep him, him on side. camera. Yeah, have him tossing a crutch to somebody. You know what I mean? Like have him in there. Yeah, I agree. Have him involved. So I have he's a feeling always involved, and yeah, and they want to present them as a totally cohesive unit because. Before Roderick's drawn, the three of them looked like a totally cohesive unit. Yeah. So you don't want that. Like, you want Roderick to be a perfect soldier in this for at least for a while. And how cool is it that all four of these guys know each other so well? You know, well, they work together at the same it, time at Ring of Honor. They work together at PWG. So it's like those guys will be able to work well together. It's not just like saying, like, you, you, you. Uh, you're going to be a team, and we'll, well call yeah, you but this. That's what's beautiful. Even if you want to think about this logically, and you're like a smart or a smart fan or whatever the hell people want to call themselves. <laughs> right, right. It makes sense because yeah. these guys – if he was going to team up with somebody in a group, this would be who he would be around. Like yeah. you would think that Roderick Strong would be around them off camera. Like right. this is who he would travel with. And, you know, so on so many levels, it made so much sense. And I should have saw it coming. Kudos to you. Because just for full disclosure, you texted Undisputed Era a win. Mm-hmm. And you put, you know, you didn't say who, but you said they're going to get a new member. Yeah. And I remember my tweet back to you or a text back to you was they're getting a new member. That's a bold call, my friend. Yeah. And lo and behold. <laughs> and yeah, I look man. at it hindsight 2020. If you look at this, I sh- should have saw it coming. But the fact that they do such a good job that it went right over my head. Kudos to them. Well, you know, and here's the thing is it's like, look, I I will be the first to say, like, I'm 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 happy that, you know, that I was able to be like, this is who's going to win. But I got to be honest with you, you know, it's making predictions is nothing but fun. And if you take it too seriously, you know, so so for me, like there were definitely times when I thought like, you know, in that match, I was like. Like, well, you know, I'm going to get this one wrong. Like, you know, authors of pain are going to shock us and win it and, you know, be like two-time Dusty Classic winners, you know. Now, you did a great job with this. But if you turned around at Mania, if either one of us had predicted everything right, then you would turn around and say, well, that was a crappy WrestleMania. It was so predictable. I knew everything that was coming. Yeah. I want swerves. I want... Not, sure. not and, and this wasn't a swerve just to be a swerve. No. This no, isn't Vince Russo Shock TV. This made sense. And even though, you know, and even though, you know, even though, because I agree with you about what you just said, if I would have predicted Mania completely right and, 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 and would have gotten that, like, yeah, it would have been like, oh, that was a little too predictable. But, but even making the predictions for, for TakeOver and getting them right, I, there was never a moment where I was like, well, that's too predictable. Um, so yeah, so I, I thought it was good. It did what it needed to do. I didn't think the show was predictable at all. The only match going in I thought could be a little predictable was Shayna Baszler because I really felt like Amber Moon was going up yeah that's okay I mean the rest of the card and and they more than made over overcame it being predictable by just putting on a great match yeah I don't really care if I know who's going to win the match if the match is a really well done match right I mean I would rather not know but 
Um, so then we get to the, and, and, you know, it's funny cause we were just talking about it with ROH, like the title match going last or whatever, but we get to the title match with Aleister Black and Andrade Cien Almas. And there was no way they, there was no way they could put the title match on here last. Well, and you know what? Like, and, and I was just advocating for it at the ROH show, but I also said too, unless there's something, a big, there, there better be a good good reason why the title match isn't last. Right, and, and the, when you have that unsanctioned match and everything that led into it, that had to close the show, right? And you hit the key, unsanctioned match. Because in the old days, like, we're talking like literally like in the 50s and the 60s, they used to do, they used to do these things called lights out matches. And the idea was, is that you would put, the, it would be the last match uh, for two reasons. It was because there was no time limit on the match, and you had two guys that hated each other so much that they were going to go out there and they were going to wrestle until they turned the lights off. And that's what this was. This was an old-school sort of lights-out match. It was unsanctioned. It was like, there's no reason to place it anywhere else on the card when you think about it, because as far as I'm concerned, if I'm the promoter, if I'm the booker, booker you know, just like Triple H getting, you know, a Gargano to sign the release and them showing that on TV, which was brilliant. Yeah, smart. Uh, yeah, it's the idea is, is it's like I want to, I want this match to be separate, you know. So you put if you put it in the middle of the card, it's like what are you doing? But you put it on as the last match, and you can kind of say like you know, in kayfabe, you can just wash your hands up and be like they're just going to go out there and do whatever well, they're going to do. That that always reminds me of like what, what you just said, like a, a line when I watched the documentary about the NWO when the Outsiders had just showed up and WCW was going to tell their, sell their T-shirts. Yeah. And Kevin Nash was like, you can't. We don't work for you. Yep. This was an unsanctioned match. It wasn't, quote-unquote, part of the show. You it know? was the same thing with entrance music. Yeah, he and uh, Nash and Hall, for the longest time, were just like, no, we can't have entrance. Don't give us entrance music. And then finally, it's just sort of like, Fine, you know you're gonna do whatever yeah. you want. We gotta have entrance music, well, but like it was the, the same shirts, logic. That's when he said they they had to actually go out in the parking lot and sell yeah. the bootleg style to make it look. Because like, why in God's name, when these people come in to take over your company, would you sell their shirt? Right, right. You know, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So let's get yeah. to the title match. Uh, I thought it was great. I, you know, I, I think that it's it's funny because in some ways, if you compare it to other title matches, um, it, it would maybe. I mean, especially, you know, uh, Andrade Cien Almas and, and Johnny Gargano, it, it would not necessarily measure up. Um, but it was still, it was still a great match. It, I think I had it as my like number two or three match. Yeah. On the card. Well, first of all, I mean, almost no match is going to measure up to Andrade Cien almost and Johnny Gargano. That no, was it's it's one of the best WWE matches of all time. Literally, yeah. like I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's literally one of the best WWE matches that has ever taken place and been but televised. You know, I almost feel for Andrade Cien almost though. He just had this unbelievable match against Johnny Gargano, which we can't sing its praises enough, wherever you want to rank it and everything, but it's definitely one of the best matches I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay? And now he goes out and has this really, really, really good title match with Aleister Black, and what does everybody talk about after each match? Johnny Gargano and Aleister Black. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the people in the know and the people in that company know Right. What what's going on? But like from a fan's perspective, because you had Johnny Gargano was just so beloved, and now you had Aleister Black win his first title. That that's where the attention went to. Yeah. And now and Aleister Black's such a unique character that people really like him. They they dig the whole thing. That like I, it just feels like almost is almost like the forgotten guy in these two matches, and he's just as much a reason that they're fantastic as any anybody else. And, and 
Zelina Vega, she does a great job. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. In fact, I love the way that, you know, they, they, again, and the announce team was just so on point with this as well. They were not only talking about Zelina Vega and what she has done in the leaks, in the weeks leading up to this specific match and then what she was doing in this match, but calling back to the, you know, other ways that she has helped him and, you know, pointing out the, the, the Drew Galloway match or Drew McIntyre match and pointing out, you know, the Gargano match. And you know what I mean? Like, it's like they're yeah, helping to tell that story. Yeah, they to even point out just how she took him and he was a party boy and not yeah. focused. And, like, like, they dwell on the connection, how important she is. But what I love about her she gets involved when she should get involved and yep. when it doesn't need it she doesn't she's not out there as a distraction she's not overshadowing the wrestlers but every time it seems like she gets involved in the match is exactly when she should get involved in a match yeah if yeah. that makes any sense i don't no, know how oh, hell yeah it that. makes sense it reminds I, me of the old days of like bobby heenan when he would be on the ring forever on the outside just yelling and then when like like when Ultimate Warrior went to pick Root up and he would pull his feet and hold it. Right, and, right. And like small stuff like that. And, and she's an integral part to the finish of the match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I think that even before the finish, the fact that she had interfered in, in other ways and tried to get in you know, Alistair's way and Alistair was able to stay in the match, whereas there had been other times when that her interference had like directly yeah. led to someone's loss. And then yeah, it comes back to haunt them because But it was small stuff like when he hit I think he hit a black mass at some point and she just put his leg on the rope. Right. Small stuff like that, you know, she's just so good at and, and the way they do it is is really well done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, yeah, and at the end of the day, I, I got to say, I really, really enjoyed uh, the match. And I, and I'm super excited to see what, um, you know, what, what's next for, for Alistair Black. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do because, uh, you know, you, you basically now have, I, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but you basically now have kind of like the male version of Asuka. You know, he's, he's been undefeated. He's, 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 he's gone through everybody. He's put on some incredible matches, and now he's the champ. And so the question is, is it's like, who who do you get to dethrone him? How do you get to dethrone him? Like, and who he's is... such a unique character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know, like, he, it doesn't seem to, like, I don't know how much you've read about him, but his father was actually in a cult. But oh, he wow. grew up in that environment. I, I read this interview with him where his father was in this whacked-out religious cult and everything. So when he does this gimmick, it's believable. Wow. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, especially the way he's with the tats and the way they present him, it works. It doesn't seem like it's something forced. And, I, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a big fan of his, and I was a fan of his when he was, you know, on the indies as Tommy End. Like, I just thought there was always something about him that was just, you know, felt real. Uh, yeah, he feels you know. genuine. Yeah. But now here's a question. Does Almas go up at the Superstar Shake-Up? I think it's possible. Uh, I, I, You know, I, I think... Uh, I, I, I think if he doesn't, it's only because they want to have him have a rematch of TakeOver Brooklyn or do something else before he goes up. But you got to figure he's going up soon, right? Yeah. You know, the I think the, the danger, the potential danger is that... You know, you don't want things to get too crowded, um, and I because I, I would hate to see him get lost in the shuffle. You know, I, I, I mean, I I think well, this it is, was surprising 
well, I don't want to say surprising, but some of the call-ups were surprising in a way. Like, no way, Jose. But it doesn't bother me because I don't think they're pulling Vince no way Jose up to be a, But he's not getting pulled up to be in the main event. No, but, Vin, Where, but, but it's funny because, you know, we always talk about NXT being Triple H's baby. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, no way, Jose is actually Vince's character. Vince, oh, whatever. Vince I mean, named him. Vince did the whole nine yards because if you look at it, it's basically like Fandango point, you know, two point Yeah. But, so it oh, makes well, we sense. should at least say the, the before we get too off topic for anybody who you know listened but didn't see it. The finish of the match was Selena Vega went off the top rope. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Alistair Black ducked. Yeah. And Andrade Cien almost caught her to yep. protect her. And when he did, his guard was down, and he got hit with the black mass. Yeah. And that, that led to the, the, the pin. The one, two, and, three. Yeah, the one, two, three, and the title changing hands. And, you know, it's, it's one of the cool things that happened, and some people have made jokes and memes out of it, and that's, you know, whatever, but uh, is we got to see a side of Alistair that we've never seen before. He was genuinely happy and excited, and it was like, in some ways, if you want to tell this story, I think you can he went from being this aggressive, committed, like, you know, one-track mind sort of person, I must win, I must win, to now reaching the pinnacle of where he currently is, and he could finally celebrate. You know, he could finally say, I did it, as opposed to every other win was just uh, another stop along the way to this. And it's an easy sell. What's the point of success if you're not enjoying it? Right, yeah. You know, you're too singularly focused on winning. But it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Um, if he hadn't won the North American belt, I would have said the perfect opponent for him going forward would be Adam Cole. I think we're, I think we're, I think there's a good chance that we're going to maybe get a Drew McIntyre, Alistair Black. Feud. That's what I was thinking because Adam Cole is going to have to defend the North American Championship for a little while. Yeah. And like you said, they're, they're probably going to wind up feuding with Mustache Mountain. Yeah. Which is fine. That makes all the sense in the world. Um, but, yeah, we're going to see. I mean, I would like to see Alistair Black versus Drew McIntyre. That, that'd be a good match. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so. Although the only thing there is, is I wonder, it's like, do you want McIntyre to be the guy that knocks Alistair Black off? And if you don't, do you want Drew McIntyre to come back, feud for the title, just to lose? Well, this is true. I mean, in a lot of ways, I could see Drew McIntyre come back and eventually feud with Adam Cole. Yeah. First, then go after Alistair Black, and that'd be a way like to bring Cole up. Then, right. But we'll see what happens. I mean, there's so many different yeah. ways you could go. You could have them. You could have EC3 get into a feud with them. You could. There's so many different ways they could go with this. For but sure. One thing NXT seems to do much better than the main rosters. They seem to get it right. Like, oh yeah, who's ready I, for the feud and how they're going to do it? I have no idea that it's going to yeah that, that, that we're going to get some satisfactory uh, matches out of this to say the least. Um, they're not going to have they're not going to have a crappy title match at Takeover Brooklyn. No, no, definitely not. And, um, and Takeover Brooklyn is by their explanation their biggest card of the year. That's the NXT equivalent to WrestleMania. Now, how are they going to do anything that even comes close to this card? Man, I don't know. I don't know because, and the reason the reason why I can say that so singularly is because I firmly believe the first four matches they could absolutely. 
I don't want to say out and out. Like, I don't want to say they can top them, but I think they can duplicate the success of those first four matches. Yeah, but that, that Between, the main event that we're going to get to in a minute isn't something that you could re- replicate. Exactly. And that's the, and that's going to be the, the, the difficulty uh, because... Which is odd. I honestly thought before they booked it, I thought they would hold Gargano Chapa till TakeOver Brooklyn because it would be an easy sell just saying Chapa's not ready yet. Right. But and you could also play up that. I mean, in my opinion, it would be a mistake to, to to take Johnny Gargano out for that long. But you could also play up the fact that he's not he's no longer with you know NXT um, for a longer amount of time. That said, I think it worked out perfectly. I think that you know they reached they reached the emotional pinnacle of this moment. They they did not need to delay it, uh, and it worked perfectly. Uh, I mean, it's still basically when you think about it, the the thing had been building for almost a year because um, you know it was it was May when when. Champa turned on him, um, so I, I think it worked. I think that uh, what uh, a match it was! What it, a match yeah, it was! I it mean, was really. It, it, it never the the only thing, and I and I thought it right away uh, is I did have a moment where I thought, why is Johnny Gargano coming? out the way that he is. Like, there was a part of me that wanted him to literally just go straight into the ring and start the fight. Like, yeah. he still made an entrance, and there was a part I mean, of me that's like... Been, yeah. He couldn't wait to get his hands on Yeah. Chop. But at the same time, because it's Johnny Gargano, I think it still kind of works, because it's just the kind of person he is, so that yeah. you can almost make the argument that says, like, of course he would do that. Like, once he steps in the ring, he's going to be all business, but before he gets there, he's going to take a moment to be like, I'm here, guys. I'm here. I'm here because of you, for you, you know, and, and, and tonight it's not going to be your normal good time Johnny Gargano night, but I'm gonna you know I'm gonna take this moment to acknowledge you before I get to the ring. So it, it worked. It's fine. I'm you know I'm being nitpicky, uh, but it was a fight. It was brutal. They beat the hell out of one another. I mean, oh, by the end vicious. of the match, Champa's uh, right eye was was almost swollen shut. I mean, it was yeah. And we yeah. can't sit here and go through the whole match. It was a forty minute match, but yeah. just it was an absolute brawl. Yeah. I mean, they did some some wrestling moves in there, but. I mean, they, they did a very good job of presenting this as two guys that want to kill each other. Yeah. And they both did their job. And the, um, the way that it ended, where anybody who didn't see it, Gargano was going for the Gargano escape. At some point, Ciampa got out of it or whatever. But he got Ciampa's knee brace off. Yeah. And then transitioned into an, what would you say, is that like an STO? Uh, it wasn't but an STF? An STF, but they used... He used Champa's knee brace yeah. across Champa's face and yanked back on that. Yeah, and that's how he got him to tap. Yeah, brutal, brutal looking ending to what was a brutal looking match. Yeah, and it just if it, it, yeah, I mean the, the feeling, the emotion throughout the entire match was so. And then the last like ten minutes or so of the match, every time there was a pinfall attempt or a submission attempt, the the crowd, me, you, I'll bet we all thought this might be it. Regardless if it was Champa or if it was Gargano, like it was, it was that type of match where you literally we're didn't also, know. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. We're also pre-programmed when we watch a WWE program to know this has gone longer than it normally would. Right. So like, there's this internal clock, and you're like, okay, the end's got to be coming. Yeah. So you get to a point where you're just. You know, so every, like you said, every pinfall or submission, you're thinking this is it. And to be honest with you, until it was over, I was surprised because I really thought they'd have Ciampa win and have Gargano to prolong this and everything. I didn't think they would have Gargano get retribution this quick. I, you know, and I'm not complaining about it. I'm glad they did in a way. Yeah. 
either way they went would have worked. And and I just because of the way Gargano and I always say he's he's a chaser. Like he's one of those guys that like Daniel Bryan was a couple years ago. The more that he doesn't get what he wants, the more the fans are going to get behind him. Yeah. But after this match and that the way they did it, I it worked. Right. Well, and that was the thing too. Triple H is even quoted as having said this in the Facebook live chat after the after the show was over. Uh, look, you, you know Gargano was made before this match, but even in losing, Tommaso Ciampa came out of this. Oh, he's a Ciampa star. As a, yeah, exactly. And and that's the other thing. Like, make no mistake. Again, we're not going to go into detail about the match because everybody should see it for themselves if they haven't already. But Johnny Gargano, I. I could make the argument, and I'm not saying this is actually how I feel, but I think you could make the argument that his match with Almas was good because Johnny Gargano was in the match. Now, I'm not saying that Almas is not great. I'm not saying that it doesn't take two to tango, and I'm not saying that that wasn't a five-star match because two guys showed up and worked their asses off. No, I, I get just, it. If, yeah, you had, if you had Almas wrestle somebody else, but they mm-hmm. did the exact same match, it would be great, but I don't know if me, you, and everybody else would have been as emotionally invested in it. Because exactly. we're invested, we're invested in Johnny Gargano, the, the character, but not that just said, as in-ring work. That said, in this match, Tommaso Ciampa was incredible. From oh, bell he's to so bell. so good at being a, he- a heel. Yeah, he's I mean. so good. And how freaking crazy is it that by the end of the match... When they had that beautiful sympathy spot, he was able to make you sympathize with him, too. Like, there yeah. was a moment there at the end of the match where you were just sort of like, man, he's sorry. Like, there, this is this is not going to end the way we thought it was going to end. Oh, I, then, I honestly sat there and thought to myself, are they going to turn him face already? Right? Like, and, and the amazing thing is, as awful as he was, it might have worked. Yeah, yeah. And so like when to, Johnny Gargano sat down next to him, yep. across from him. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, are they gonna hug? Yeah, but it was just it's storytelling. Yeah, at the end of the day, as much as we love the in ring work, if you have a great product in the ring with no story or no logic to it, it doesn't work. And if you have, you have the best story, but if you have two guys that can't go, it doesn't work. This was one of those situations where we had one of the best stories going in a long time. Yeah, we had two wrestlers that were both that. Everybody's emotionally invested into both of them right now, invested into their story, and then they went into the ring, and their in-ring work just complemented everything. It just worked. I mean, this match worked on every level. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree, and and, and I, I, I mean, we're lucky that we get to see a match like that as far as I'm concerned. It felt, you know, just, it felt so real and honest and genuine. It felt, you know, kind of a little old school, um, and you just had two of, of the best workers in, in WWE right now kicking ass, and I, I thought, uh, you know... I, I hesitate to ask this question because I don't want us to be about this, and you and I have had this discussion, but at the same time, I think every once in a while you'll get a match where you just have to ask the question, um, do, 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 you think, do you think Meltzer gives it five stars? Do you think he should? Is it that type of match? Um, yeah, I don't know how it can't be. I mean, right. to me, maybe not in-ring, but as a total package, I think it's just as good as the Gargano almost match. Right. I mean, that might have been slightly better technically in the ring, but this, with the story and everything, I mean, I, I don't know, and I don't get wrapped too much into the stars, and, no, I, and yeah, I get that's why, you, that's why you were saying it. That's another reason, ladies and gentlemen, we don't rate matches like that, 
because the last thing is the internet needs is two more guys trying to give stars to matches. Right. Um, but if you're going to, I, I don't know. I watch that, and if that's not a five star match, then I'm not sure what one is. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And and then the other thing that they did that was so freaking brilliant, in my opinion, too, is that by the time can't like when. They didn't have Candice come out at any other point in the match. She came out once it was over, you know, to, to, to celebrate with her husband and, and, and to, you know, to take and soak that moment in very briefly. It wasn't about, you know, anyone else. Yeah, it else. wasn't about her. Exactly. It was about those two guys. And yep. the way at the post-match, them just sitting there looking at each other without saying anything, yeah. said everything. Yeah. You know, he looked, like you said, Ciampa looked sorry. Gargano looked like he wanted to forgive him. Nothing was said, and it worked. Yeah, it was great, but, and it'll be it'll be really interesting to see where they go from here. You know, I, I mean, I, I, there's a part of me that's like, man, Gargano is is gold, and put him put him on the fucking main roster. You know, put him up there oh, right now. I mean, I've heard people say, with the exception of Daniel Bryan, that you can't get a white bread baby face over, like a pure baby face over in this day and age. Yeah. I call bullshit on that because yeah. Johnny Gargano is a, is a baby as babyface can be, and yeah. he is as over as it comes. Yeah, and he doesn't need he doesn't need to change anything about it. No, no, but, he doesn't. Um, and, and you know, I'm glad. Like, and I was gonna say this earlier. We were talking about NXT as developmental. My only real problem with NXT, and I love NXT, is now that it's. It's developmental, but it's it's on every week. It has its own shows, its own takeovers. It's almost like a third brand at this point. Yeah. Is that before it was televised or when it was FCW, guys could, could go there, find a character. If it didn't work, they can reinvent their character. They can do all that. Now, a guy, or like a guy would do a storyline in FCW and then change his character for the main roster. Now when these guys debut, they're already known. So it's almost like if a guy gets into NXT and his character doesn't work, I don't know if he's going to be able to reboot it like no, they right. used to. You can't, you're so, not going to be able to take Husky Harris and turn him into Bray Wyatt anymore. No, not without taking him off TV forever Yeah, and everything. like. So that's the only drawback to NXT as a developmental territory. But if, if, if the quality of matches, I mean, if you look at all the TakeOver events... Like and I say this all the time. Whenever there's a takeover, never once have I turned around and liked the main roster card better than the takeover show. Yeah, I always get jacked up more for the takeover. Yeah, I loved WrestleMania this year. I thought it was fantastic, but I thought takeover was better. I yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. I completely agree. I mean, takeover is something to look forward to. I I, I love them. I, I'm I'm just I'm so. Stoked that we have something like that to look forward to. I think the roster is great. I think that, you know, the, sometimes calling it developmental, even though, yes, it does serve as, as that, is a little bit of a misnomer these days because even if you even look at like the house shows that they do compared to their television and their takeovers, the house shows are still definitely developmental because you have a lot of people on there that aren't on television, or if they are, you know, they're on like one match every two months or something like that. Yeah, the, um, the TV show is like a finished product. Exactly. And, and that's the reason, too, why you're getting guys like Adam Cole and you know you're finding you know that that it does a couple of things one you're bringing these guys in to help prepare them to to make the jump to the main roster and two some of these guys you're bringing in not even with that in mind so much as to say to the to the to the true developmental folks like somebody like Velveteen Dream for instance even like Cassius Ono is a perfect example of this you know 
Chris Hero, Cassius Ono, could go up to the main roster right now today. He knows the camera stuff. He knows the production stuff. He's produced. He's booked. Like He knows what goes on behind the scenes. He doesn't need to be in developmental except for one key thing. He can teach all of those people that are 22 years old, that have never wrestled before until they got to WWE and are working for NXT and are helping to set up the ring and are doing the house show circuits and everything. He can teach those people so much. He can be their learning tree and that is why you get some of these people that work down there that you could make the argument why is that person there and and that's why you know Samoa Joe is a perfect example Samoa Joe didn't need to learn how to look into a camera Samoa Joe didn't need to learn you know what I mean but he was there no, I agree I agree. He was there because he helped to bolster the brand in a lot of ways, and he could work with people and, and be somebody that these guys are like, I can learn something from him. Well, it's and, an old saying, too, like and, and growing up as a baseball fan. There's only so many things that you can learn from your manager. Sometimes right. you need a teammate in the locker room yeah. to show you the right way to do things. I mean, you can only, like, as great as Triple H is, he can only teach them so much. He's not on the road with them constantly and in the the locker room in that capacity. So when you have guys there that have done it and know how to do it the right way, that that's something that you can't put a value on. The only problem for a guy like Chris hero or cash on, I'm sorry, is that he may be there longer than he normally would be. I think, you know, I I think that, I think that it's unlikely in, in, in my opinion, it's actually unlikely that we'll see him on the main roster. I know that I, I, I I just, I just think that, Maybe it'll happen, but I don't even think that's why he's there. I think he's there so that he can work in XT. He can be he's kind of the transition conduit to, to a the, the Indies, and yeah, I think you're right. I do uh, think at some point before he retires in ring, he might see a little bit of main roster action. Like I think he'll be in the I Royal Rumble. So. I think he deserves or it or something to that effect. But yeah, but well, that's we should that's, probably get on to WrestleMania. We really we're should. Only, um, we're, <laughs> This is probably going to be a a two-part podcast, to be honest with you. Well, that's Um, fine. But the funny part about it is we're probably going to spend less time on Mania than we did on NXT. Oh, for sure. five matches versus 14. Yeah. So Mania. Mania, Mania, Mania. Look, I'm excited for Mania. I love love everything about it. I love, you know, all the pomp and circumstances they created. I don't care that it's seven hours long these days. Whatever. It's fine. My only complaint about the length isn't that, listen, I can watch wrestling all day. Yeah. It's just the point that by, like, a certain point in the card, you're a little fatigued. And, like, there's matches that I I didn't fall asleep or anything, but, like, I found myself waning a little. I, and I think, I just I, think that, like, some of this stuff wasn't needed. I think that while that is, while, while that's not untrue, I think that it's even more true and more important to recognize the fact that the live audience gets fatigued. Because in sure, my opinion, if you have if you have a fire audience that sit, stays with the whole show, you'll, you're going to stay with it at home. I think yeah. that you, you know it's one of those you know indefinable things and uncontrollable elements that when that live crowd starts to go, it has an impact on you know the crowd sitting at home. Um, so anyway, uh, so the pre-show we get three matches. Uh, we get both of the Battle Royals and we get the Cruiserweight Championship match. The Battle Royal, Men's Battle Royal, went first. Andre the Giant Memorial Trophy ended up being won by Matt Hardy. Uh, I, I I was cool with that. I liked it. I, I liked I, the I, fact I, that Bray showed up to help him win. Kind of 
See, okay, here's the thing. Because I, I don't I, think we're looking I, back and somebody's going to say, oh, he didn't win that clean. It's a battle no, royal, for God's sake. I don't give a shit about that. And I think Matt Hardy was the right guy to win. I think he should have won. I think it makes sense that he won. I think you and I both immediately said, how did we not predict Matt Hardy winning? Because that's the person that well, makes the most sense to win. I, I, the but, reason I didn't is because I thought they were going to bring Big Cass back and have him win I, this. I thought they were going to bring Big Cass back as well because they gave they, they actually showed him a lot during the Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, but, you know, obviously that doesn't necessarily mean anything. If I here's, had a list of the people, if we had a list of the people that were in it, all 30, we probably would have at least considered Matt Hardy. Yeah, I agree. But, but uh, here's I think why cool I liked that, it. You go ahead and tell me what you did like first. Okay, so uh, let me just say, because I don't have much to say about it. I'm just going to say a couple things. I I like that Baron Corbin was the one that he eliminated to win it. I think there's some neat continuity there. I think it keeps Baron Corbin looking strong. I did not like the fact that Bray Wyatt came back. I think it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I think they had an opportunity to to take Bray away for a while and bring him back fresh. And I think by doing what they did, they went the most predictable route, and I don't like it, and I just don't care. Well, see, all right. Now, the reason I think I liked it is because... They, if they had just done it in a vacuum, I wouldn't have liked it as much. But I think, and I could be wrong, I've been wrong on a lot lately, that Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt are going to wind up challenging for the tag belts at the, at the Greatest Royal Rumble ever. So by having him do that, it showed they're on the same page. Now they're going to tag. And I just think it makes the most sense for them to wrestle the bar for the tag titles at the Saudi Arabia show. Yeah, I see. I mean, and I don't. I just, I think that you know. I mean, literally, he went to you know, he went to the 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 the, the, the extreme of basically drowning the guy. You know, they the had this of, huge the lake food. of reincarnation or whatever. Yeah, and and they had again. There's this ready-made thing that he comes back different, and instead you bring back the same tired, worn-out gimmick. Just now, he's all of a sudden going to be friends with Matt Hardy, who is. Well, We'll see where they go with it. I mean, I don't. What else are they going to do with them? Make him Husky Harris again? No, you know, they like, still, he could still be Bray Wyatt. I just think that they had an opportunity to have him come back a little bit different as a different kind of Bray Wyatt. Well, I, I think he's going to be somewhat different. Like yeah. the whole thing is that he was, he was, like exercise of the scourge of Sister Abigail. So now he's a nicer Bray Wyatt, and we'll see that'll eventually blow up in somebody's face, but. Put it this yeah. way, I don't have a huge issue with it. At the end of the day, it's a pre-show battle royal. Sure. But it's but, but see, and I think that that's part of the issue that I have as well. It's still WrestleMania. And I think that these things should mean something. And I think that it it, it just did it just felt so throwaway to me. And I, I, I whatever. You know what I mean? Because, and here's something that, that I, I really want to drive home, our next match is the Cruiserweight Championship match. It was a damn good match. It had a great finish. It had the right winner as far as I'm concerned, even though I actually think I picked Mustafa Ali in my predictions to win, because I, I think that I think that Cedric was the right guy to go over here, and I think they put together a great 12 minutes of in-ring action, and I think that in some ways, it was actually it was actually better than the pre-show cruiserweight match from the year before. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. Um, I would have liked to have seen Mustafa Ali win, but, I mean, I don't have a problem with Alexander. You know, it was a good match, and I just always feel bad because I feel like the Cruiserweight, especially the tournament final, yeah. should have been on the main card. But, oh, whatever. There's, I'm, there's already 14 matches, so. Right. And I think that the thing about Cedric winning be feeling right for me is because I, I just have the feeling that even before the tournament started, even before all the Enzo bullshit, I feel like they were slowly but surely starting to build that division with him in mind as the guy eventually. 
And yeah, I just thought with all the stories that had come out and they're making such a big deal about Mustafa Ali being Pakistani and being Muslim yeah. and not having to be presented as a bad, evil character. I just thought sure. it would have been a nice touch. But oh, whatever. I was going to okay. get a, he Look, he's going to yeah. get a run with that title. I mean, he's Mustafa Ali is, is, is one of the most talented guys in that locker room as far as I'm concerned. He, you know, he, he's, he's just a, an incredible athlete. And I think he'll get a run with that title. So, um, but now you have, what, Naomi? Winning the Women's Battle Royal. Which I actually thought I got my prediction right because I had Bailey thrown Sasha out. And, and I, I agreed with you, Naomi, yeah. I, I forgot that Naomi wasn't eliminated. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the point of Naomi winning is, but we'll Neither see where I. they go. Maybe I mean, it doesn't. Something. I guess. I guess the thought is is that it does not hurt Bailey or Bailey and Sasha at all. That that was what happened. But, hurt them, were, but how does it really help Naomi? At exactly, point? and that's the thing is, it's like you could have like all it was. In my opinion, it was giving her a cookie. They gave Naomi a cookie by saying, like, oh, you know, you should get, you, you need to get something because yeah. you've been important to this whole movement, so we're going to let you win the first Battle Royal. And, 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 and that's it, just a bad reason to do why, things, in my opinion. Why does the Women's Battle Royal trophy need to look like a uterus? Ah, uh, dude, I, with, it's... With the, the fallopian tube handles. It's so dumb. I mean, I when I was tweeting, I called it the uterus cup. I mean, it's like, it, it's the... I, that whoever designed that and whoever didn't stop and think, wait, I don't think we can go with this. It's just awful. And I get I get that they had to rush it because it was probably a statue of Moolah and, and clearly they couldn't do that. And they weren't going to name it after anyone else because they, they wouldn't have time to build the statue. But I think wasn't it Jericho that suggested they do it the Sherry Martel Battle Royal? Um, and, they could have done anything. I mean, yeah. but it just, it is what it is. Yeah. We probably already spent too much time on it. Right. <laughs> uh, so we opened Mania proper with the triple threat for the Intercontinental Championship with Seth Rollins, The Miz, and Finn Balor. I uh, love Seth Rollins' entrance, by the way, with the blue contacts. Yeah, that like was great. Game of Thrones. I, I don't know what Miz was going with. No, no, neither do I. Uh, but I, I wanted Balor Finn to Balor. win. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Balor's interest was awesome. I loved it too, but the first sign that he wasn't winning should have been that he didn't come out as the demon for WrestleMania. Sure. But yeah, whatever. But um, the, the, I thought the match was good, though. I yeah, but see, and that, that's my problem with it. I just thought it was good, and to me, you had the ingredients for it to be great. I, and instead, I think it, was it would good. have been a better match if it was Balor versus Rollins. Well, right. We or got that on me. If we're gonna have Rollins, <laughs> if we were gonna have Rollins win the belt, it would have just been better to have Rollins versus the Miz. Yeah, I agree. Some, you know, sometimes triple threats sound great until you see them in, in action. And I get that so much of this multi-man stuff that they do on Mania is to get as many people on the card as possible, and I respect that because clearly these guys bust their butts all year long and should absolutely be on that card. But man, sometimes it does. It, it, it takes a match that like has all the ingredients to be a great match, and it knocks it down a point or two because all of a sudden you don't you know, you've, you've added a little too much, you know, you put yeah. too much in, but, but that said, yeah, it was good. It was a solid way to open the night. Crowd was super into it, you know, good for them. Yeah. Rollins becomes a grand slam champion by winning the IC belt, which is, I think the reason he wins. And I, and I think that I, there's no doubt in my mind that he will represent the title. Well, uh, I don't think Balor needs that title. I think that Balor is, you know, is over enough on his own. That said, I also think that there's something to be said for, I mean, the guy, they, they, they went whole hog with him on his first week in the company by ha- or on the main roster and gave yeah, him the first universal pulled, like title. Yeah, to pull the trigger. Yeah, and it's ridiculous because the guy is, 
I mean, he's, he's one of the best they have, and it's like they keep kind of getting cold feet on him, and I don't like it. Anyway. We'll, we'll have to just see where it goes. Next um, up. I do, oh, I do like, let me just interject here before I lose my train of thought. I do like the fact that these three are going to add Samoa Joe and go in a ladder match at the greatest Royal Rumble ever. Yeah. Uh, we'll see where that goes, but. Yeah. I mean, you know. I, the only thing about that is, is I just kind of feel like. Joe should, I, I mean. I have a feeling the Miz is going to win the belt back. Maybe he will, and that's fine. But the but as far as I'm concerned, Samoa Joe should only be in one spot right now, and that's in the main event, and he should be challenging Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Yeah, but I get that they, was, they weren't going to do that at the show coming up. Sure. So I don't have a problem with them being in this. It keeps them, you know, it's a nice way to bring them back. And, and I- I would just argue, I would just argue that Samoa Joe, because of the way that those matches that he's already had with Lesnar worked out, is the only legitimate challenger for that title right now. Even more so than Braun Strowman, even well, more agree. so than Roman Reigns. I anyway, uh, next up we get the women's SmackDown Women's Championship match with Charlotte and Asuka. Uh, I was the, the shocked title by for the streak. Match. I was shocked by it as well. I will, however, say that in uh, most respects, no, in all respects, it was the best wrestling match on the card. Um, it, it, it might not have been the best match on the card or the draw, but it was the best wrestling match. Oh, it's um, no knock on the women. They did a fantastic job. And you know what? I'm shocked, but I'm not angry. Like, I, I understand. Um, I, I totally understand getting Asuka off the streak. I think sometimes the streak is a hindrance. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a monkey on her back after a while, without a doubt. Uh, I don't know if this is where you should have done it, but well, it makes and it makes a lot more sense when you see how it played out in SmackDown. If that's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Because I don't think it works if Carmella cashes in on Asuka. It and doesn't I, seem right. And I was laboring under the delusion that Carmella was going to cash in, but she was going to cash in on the Raw side, and she was going to cash in and, and, and take it from Alexa or, or Nia Jax. So I think that you know saving the cash in until the SmackDown after Mania, and then doing it on Charlotte and the way that they did it with the iconic duo and everything, great. It works. It makes sense. I would also say that if you're going to have Asuka get beat, the only two people that I think I would have been satisfied beating her and ending the streak would have either been Charlotte or Ronda Rousey, and clearly they decided not to go the Ronda route because if they would they would have had to probably prolong it for quite a while, and they decided they wanted to end the streak, get it over with. And so, if if somebody's going to end that streak, Charlotte ending it, I'm fine with that. And because yeah, of the I way that Charlotte ends up losing the title to Carmella, it doesn't hurt Charlotte and it doesn't hurt Oscar at all. No, it's one of those things that once you see how it played out, it makes a lot more sense and yeah. it's easier to digest. Um, next, ooh, the fatal four way for the U.S. title. Why the? Uh, f- I don't know. <sighs> Listen, can I just say for the record, all right, um, Jinder Mahal would not have been my last choice to win. Um, I, an unabashed uh, disliker, I, I do not like Randy Orton at all. I don't like his ring ring work, really. I don't like his character. I just don't like Randy Orton. But what I don't get is why they're putting this belt on Jinder Mahal when it should obviously be on Rusev at this point, right? Yeah. Or even if you're not going to put on Rusev for whatever reason, it should have went to Bobby Roode. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I'm look. You know me. I was, I was against I Jinder like Mahal US, from day one. I just I, feel I, like the U.S. title just got like devalued even more. I agree, and I think that I think that you know, going back to when Jinder won the 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 WWE title, and I, I immediately was like. 
this is he's the wrong guy and you were like hey at least they're doing something new I think he could be great and, well and I also I, I didn't know that he was going to keep it as long as he did and then have them basically bury Nakamura yeah with this guy beating him at SummerSlam like if he had won the belt and then held SummerSlam and last lost it to Nakamura it's okay that's fine they experimented they tried something at least they're going out on a limb it's not the same people winning all the time but now it's like and, and I can't get it because his title reign was an Object disaster. Object yeah. disaster. Yeah. So, like, why put another belt on him right now? Hell if I know, but they did, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think that the United States title, you know, has some incredible history behind it, that name alone, you know, going back to the NWA and WCW days, and I think it's unfortunate that it has, uh, it's been, you know, kind of a nothing title with the exception of, uh, John Cena's, you know, run on it. Um, but I, I, I definitely agree with you. The wrong guy won. I think that, you know, there are times, look, if this were New Japan, obviously this match would never happen. But if this were New Japan, like you said, um, they speaking, would Not to interrupt, speaking of New Japan, it just came across on my phone on Twitter that LIJ is booked on the uh, War of the Worlds tour in May. Wow, Nice. Just That's that awesome. was an easy way for me to get that out since you brought it up. Yeah, no, it's a good segue. Uh, but so, I, if this were a New Japan match, we would absolutely criticize you know any sort of knee jerk booking because you would understand that when they pulled the trigger on the guy that they were already planning on pulling the trigger on, that it would make sense and you'd be okay because the guy that you you know kind of were hot on at the time would probably get the opportunity at some other point when the story played out. But because it's WWE and it's North American wrestling and we know that Vince literally changes the finish on matches sometimes, you know, hour like an hour before the match. In this instance, there is literally no reason for them not to have put the belt on Rusev. You could have even still pulled the trigger on the Undertaker casket match that they're going to have at the Greatest Royal sure, Rumble. Sure, it could have been for the U.S. title. Or it could have even been a non-title match. But here's and what it would I don't have been get. the one like, time when a non-title match would have made sense, you know? Yeah, uh, and here's what I don't get. Like, when Rusev came up and he wasn't over yet, they had no problem putting the belt on him. Right? Now, I mean, God, every time you go to a live event, all you hear is Rusev Day chants. You, you watch it on TV, like when they do the pre-show and you can hear the, the crowd in the background, Rusev Day chants. The guy is over, and he does it no matter what they give him. I mean, he was over as handsome Rusev. Remember that? Yeah, yep, I, I do mean, remember the guy that. is just turns sh- chicken shit into chicken salad all the time. Yeah. And they just, like, all of a sudden now, it's like they don't want him to get big. I don't get it. Now, don't get me wrong. It, what a nice spot for him to be in in this Greatest Royal Rumble card. Yeah. Um, when I texted a friend of mine today that he was in it, he's like, wow, they're just determined to bury this guy. I said, being in a match. <laughs> Funny you should say that. <laughs> yeah, but I said, being in a match with The Undertaker on this card is yeah. not being buried. No, it's not. No, you it's know. not. And, and you know what? And I mean this. I don't expect it. But I, but I will say I would not be shocked if Rusev won the match. No, it wouldn't shock me in the least. In fact, I'm... Uh, the mindset now that I think he's going to win the match. It'd be incredible. I, the only reason, the only thing that would stop me from thinking that is you're going to have a lot of people in that arena, or I'm sorry, the outdoor stadium, 
they're going to know The Undertaker more than they're going to know a lot of the other wrestlers. Yes. And I don't know if you're going to send them home with him losing. That's and just... the thing is, is, Taker's been there before. You know, back in like the 90s and stuff like that when they used to go to the Middle East and all that sort of stuff. I mean, Taker was one of their headliners. And so he's, you know, that's like he's going to be one of the guys that when they show up with him there that people are going to have seen him before. Whereas most of the other people in the card, they're, you know, they're not going to have had the opportunity to see them live. Uh, have yeah. seen them live before in that way. But I, I will say that... Um, I'll save that for later when we get to the Undertaker stuff. Um, so but yeah. I didn't even like. But getting back to the match, I didn't even like. It's not a case of I thought the wrong guy won and I liked the match. I didn't like the match. I found it boring. It was only eight it minutes. Was eight minutes, yeah. It was just I don't know. I've said all I can say on this match. I just don't get it. So now we get the we get to a match that I thought was going to stink and turned out to be one of my favorites of the night. It was the match of the night. Without a doubt, it was the match of the night. And here's an interesting thing about it. It was also the longest match of the night. Um, it told... Wow. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was 20 seconds longer than AJ and Shinsuke. Yeah. It told an incredible story. Um, Triple H and Stephanie are... You know, here's the thing. Anytime people start to give them shit, like legit straight shooting shit because they're upset about a choice or they don't want to see them or they feel like they're getting them stuffed down their throat or, or they're mad because Stephanie says something and they're like, oh, why does she have to be that way or whatever? Because they're heels. Because yeah. they're so, you're supposed to hate her. And the fact that you hate her the way that you hate her is, guess what? You just She's got, doing her job. Yeah. And you might sit there and think that you're smartened up and that, you know, no, she, this is, this is go home heat. You know, this is like stay away heat. This isn't like, you X-Pac know. X-Pac heat. Right. It's like, no, I'm sorry. Like, this is the heat that she wants and she's playing you and you just you just can't admit it. And the, and they were perfect in this match. Which is fine. I mean, we we have a podcast about wrestling. We read dirt sheets. We follow all the news. When I sit down to watch an event like this, I want to be a mark. Yeah. I just want to be happy and, and play into it. Like, I don't want to sit there and try to be overly like to outsmart the business. No. I want to be a mark. I want to be entertained. I want to get behind the guys I like and boo the guys I don't like. I'm, a- I'm almost 40 years old. And when I sit down and watch a match like the Oscar, when she tapped out, I jumped out of my seat. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. I couldn't that, believe it. I, I want that. Yes. Me if, too. If, I don't get why people try to overanalyze. If you're going to do that and be mad at everything, why would you watch it? Right. I agree. I completely agree. And I think that, you know, the, the let's face it, there are some people out there. I mean, Dave Meltzer is, whether you like him or not, and I know that there are vocal critics of his, the truth of the matter is he is the legitimately best and longest tenured wrestling journalist. And that is a key here because he is legitimately a journalist I don't get the the hate towards Uncle Dave. I don't get it. Like, people bitch, oh, all his great matches have to be New Japan matches. Well, if you flipped over and watched them, you'd understand why. They're better. But the other thing that I'll say about him is that he, you know, there are certain things that he doesn't like. Like, he doesn't even like people using the word Mark, for instance. But I'm going to use it. Because the thing is, is Mark, if you bought a ticket, if you sat down to watch that show... In any capacity whatsoever, you're a mark. Because the word comes from the idea that the people that gave their money to watch the exhibition, they were marks. They were people that I was suckering in, that I was going to put on this show and make them believe it was real. But, and they were going to pay a, their money. But that's not a derogatory term. No, not today. Yeah, really, no, I mean, it's not the carny days where they'd actually mark you with a piece of chalk so that people would know. I mean, it's just, right. you know. 
Oh, yeah. I, I don't get it. And like people complain about Meltzer, how he rates matches or whatever. I love my favorite argument is, well, how would he know how to rate a match? He's never wrestled. Yeah. Well, well the people that vote on the Academy Awards never made movies. And, and when I watch sports center, Chris Berman used to criti- like do uh, football matches. He never played football. Yeah, well, the, 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 yeah, I mean, the Academy, the Academy of Motion Picture Science is actually made up of people who have won Academy no, Awards. No, but I'm saying not every single person on right, there has won. Right, like, right. You know. right, and like the Hollywood Foreign Press Association with the Golden Globes, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, like I say, they haven't made movies. But, but again, I think that the thing is, is that looking at him specifically as a journalist and thinking about it in those terms, it's just sort of like, look, you know, Chris Berman's a perfect example. You know, he wasn't out there playing all of these sports. You know, I mean, there are plenty of writers and announcers who have never played uh, a sport, or if they did, they played it in high school or college, but they never played it professionally, and they still talk about and rank, you know, professional sports. If you ask people, one of the greatest announcers of sports ever was Al Michaels. Yeah. Okay? I don't remember Al Michaels playing professional sports. He did one of the most iconic calls of all time when the the U.S. beat the Soviets in the hockey. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. It wasn't a professional hockey player. Right. Doesn't mean he doesn't know how to do his job. No. Just because I mean, you know, sometimes maybe the fact that Meltzer wasn't a wrestler, he's not, you know, in in tune with all the politics. Like he can sit down as an as a neutral observer, and you yeah. know, I'm sorry, sometimes he rates ma- matches not great. Look, I what do you I, listen, I listen to Observer Radio all the time, and I gotta be honest with you. Like, I I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to knock the guy or anything because clearly, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. But sometimes I would rather hear Meltzer's opinion about shit than I would Brian Alvarez, and Brian Alvarez has wrestled professionally. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like it's like I'll, I'll do respect to Alvarez because I think he makes some great points and he adds a hell of a lot to that show. But there are times when it's just sort of like I think no Alvarez, I think you're wrong, and Meltzer's right. You know? So but, I, but yeah. at the end of the day, isn't it all just opinion anyway? Well, sure, but I think that the thing. <laughs> That gives Meltzer the edge in some ways over you know somebody with a blog or like you and me uh, is the fact that you know he's he's a legit journalist like he's been writing about this you know sport if you will for you know for for, for thirty years plus and and been doing it in such a way that he's talking you know, he's writing articles and he's not always he's not writing it yes the star system is opinion based without a doubt but that said a lot of the news that he reports he you know he 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 said this on a recent pod uh, our observer radio show about how he had heard something that ended up being true and happening but he don't, he didn't have a credible source on it so he didn't want to talk about it and it's like or how, or how about this one when when a story leaks they're going to do something backstage and they discuss it, and that's the plan. And multiple sources will confirm it. And then he does it. And then between that point and the show, they change plans. Yep. And then he gets called out for spreading like false information. That's yeah. not... He'll say at this point in time or whatever, you know? Right, exactly. That's the other thing. It's like sometimes they'll make comments about like, you know, well, if I was a betting man, I would say this. And then on the Internet, they get quoted as saying like Meltzer says blah, blah, blah is going to happen. And it's like, no, he didn't. He said if he was a betting man, he would, you know, and it's a, and it's, it's, you know, it's fine. It's whatever it is. I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, we're talking about a fake sport and, 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 and with all the issues of fake news and and everything that we have in, in, in legitimate big world issues, it's, it's, it's silly to, to, 
you know, have this much scrutiny over something. But I think it's, it's, it's worth noting because, you know, we're sitting here talking about this stuff and wanting to, to try to bring as much of an intelligent dialogue about it as we can. But at the end of the day, we're just two passionate fans. So yeah, but we're, we're doing it from a fan's perspective. We're exactly. not trying to be something we're not, I'm not, we're not rating matches. We're not trying to break news. We're just two guys that are wrestling fans that would have these long conversations about wrestling on the phone and just decided to record it and put it out there because other people might like to hear it. And if people want to reach out to us and get involved, I mean, we'll add, you know, we can read emails. I don't care having guests on. We can do whatever. I mean, it's just we're we're just fans talking wrestling. Yeah. You know, and I'm hoping to have the opportunity to interview a couple of the folks at Shimmer this weekend and, you know, and, and obviously bring reports of those live shows back. But, at, yeah, at the end of the day, just, just fans having a good time. And speaking of but, having a good time, this this mixed tag match was, was just was fantastic. Yeah, and, and my takeaway from it was Ronda Rousey looked good. Well, and for yeah, her so debut had, match... Let me let me just set something up real quick because I, I, was, I was trying to make this point earlier. So we have Triple H and Steph who are perfect in this match. You have Kurt who who comes in and and just you know and wrestles a great Kurt Angle match and does some great stuff you know throughout the course of the match. Uh, and then, like you just said, Ronda Rousey didn't just look good. She looked great. And and there have been people, Meltzer included, that have 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 said already that as far as being your first match, that he doesn't know if he's ever seen anybody do it better. No, and now granted, they put her into a very good position, and, and she was working with two of the best in Triple H, Kurt Angle. But that's just smart, yeah. You know, and and what they put her in a position where she could be protected. She could, I'm sure, she had rehearsed her spots previous. I don't know like how much of that they were calling on the fly. I don't know, maybe they were, but you know I, what? I the bottom read- line is. I had read that they that they did rehearse the match ahead of time that they that they had planned it out and that and that the four of them were had been rehearsing the match that's just you know, smart. the past couple weeks. That's so, oh yeah, exactly. But they, she put on. A, I mean, I understand she wasn't in the whole match, but it was a twenty almost a twenty one minute match yeah. at WrestleMania, and I can I, I didn't think the match was going to be that great. And to be honest with you, it might be the most fun I had all night was watching this match. Yep. And, 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 you know, I would say, too, to anybody that, that wants to, you know, to, to, to potentially knock the rehearsals or anything like that, again, as somebody who worked as a professional actor for almost a decade, I can tell you right now, you know, rehearsals are, are, are freedom to fail. Rehearsals are a safety net. But at the end of the day, when you got to go out there and perform, if you can't execute, it doesn't matter how much you've rehearsed. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And, and so not only did she go out there and... and in ring work well, but her facial expressions were incredible. The emotion was incredible. Her timing was impeccable. It's just sort of like, you know, when you've got somebody who's got it, they're going to have it no matter what they do. And yeah. she's got it. Yeah. The, you know? the old saying is, I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. Right. Well, we all, we all saw it. Yeah. In that match. And, 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 you know, one thing that was kind of amusing because you and I did disagree a little bit over this is that, I loved the intergender stuff that they ended up doing. I loved when, like, there was a Stephanie Kurt moment. I loved the the Triple H, um, Ronda stuff. I you liked I it more it than perfect. I did. Um, I will say that I don't think they really crossed any lines it, the way they did it. No, but it just gives me an uneasy feeling when you have that happen. Sure, and I, and I, 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 I think they, they got close to the line, but they didn't go over it. So yeah. I can live with it. Yeah. Um, and, the, and 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 we and we got the right finish as far as I'm concerned. With, yeah, you know, yeah, we definitely got the right finish with Ronda tapping out uh, uh, Stephanie. Um, all right, so next up we've got the oh. shortest match on the show. No, the second shortest. 
Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. (laughs) I can understand why you would have forgot the other match, but... (laughs) I do want to talk a little bit about that one. But anyway, we've got the three-way for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. The Bludgeon Brothers, which eventually was a foregone conclusion. Uh, They ended up winning the match. I thought, yeah, I thought we were going to get a barn burner. And maybe the, the thought is that New Day and the Usos have put on some of the best matches in WWE over the past year that they didn't need to do that. But, yeah, it was it was a nothing match with a title change, and now Luke Harper and Eric Rowan have the tag titles. The only, the only thing I could take out of it from being the way it was and being five minutes and 50 seconds was, I guess, all they wanted you to take out of it was that Harper and Rowan, Rowan won. Yeah. So they didn't want the Usos or the New Day to do any spots or anything that would draw attention away from that. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's, let's, that's let's, a let's very Let's be honest. Educated. Can you remember... Can you remember anything in this match? No, not really. I mean, really, all I can remember is that the Bludgeon Brothers won. Yeah. And that's about it. Yep. So, you know what I mean? Like, And I guess if New Day or the Usos did some crazy spot, we'd be talking about that. So yeah. if that was their goal, mission accomplished. But it just took up a spot on Mania that was only five. I mean, I think we were all in agreement. We would have rather just seen the Usos wrestle the New Day. Sure. But once the Bludgeon Brothers were put in, they were put in to win. Well, so it, was to get them in there, have it all on them, get them out. Now we'll build them up with the titles. And here's one of the things that I'll say, though. It's that it's unfortunate that they're being looked at that way because Luke Harper especially, and Eric Rowan too, but especially Luke Harper can go. And it's just sort of like, why, you know, I get it. You know, Vince loves to have these, like, you know, these monsters who, you know, who destroy everybody. And, and then maybe it means more when somebody takes them down. Although the number of times that that gets well executed in WWE is, you know, I can count it on one hand. But the thing is, is it's like when you have someone that can go in there and work their butt off, like, why not give them the opportunity to, especially when you're putting them in there with some of the best talent on the roster. And it's like, I, again, I get it. And I agree yeah. with you. And I think you're absolutely right. But there is that element where it's just sort of like, well, what was the point? Yeah, I Other get what you're just, saying. I you mean, know. before they were the Bludgeon Brothers, when they were just part of the Wyatt family, I remember there was some great tag team title matches between the Usos and Harper and Rowan. Yeah. And now, and here's another point. They were hot then. Yeah. They should have had them win the titles then. Yeah. Now that now they're repackaged, the Bludgeon Brothers, I mean... You can hear a pin drop when they come in. Yeah. It's so quiet. Or as, as Jim Ross always says, it's like a fart in the wind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, the fans weren't into it. They weren't. It was over before. The only saving grace was that it was over quick. Yeah. So, speaking of quick, how about the speaking next Speaking of quick, yeah. So, okay, I wanted to say a couple of things about this. One... It had to happen. I think that, you know, the way that it had been built, I know some people were kind of like saying, oh, it's just going to be a segment. They're going to set something up or whatever. It's not actually going to be a match. I think it had to be a match. No, they had to have a payoff. They had to have a payoff. I think that that also that that a couple of things that ended up bothering me about this, I I don't know if I blame on the audience, but I I certainly think that their non-reaction or or light reaction hurt the, the overall presentation because when the lights went out and the lights came up and the hat and and, and the jacket were in the ring like they had been at last year's Mania when he left them there and the audience didn't really react and maybe it was the timing of it that they didn't get to see it that that, 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 that was what messed it up or whatever it took a little bit of the wind out of the sails especially when then they went back down the lightning bolt hit came back up and the gear was gone that should have blown the roof off the place even though there isn't you know but um, it should have blown the roof off the place and and it didn't and I think that 
for me, it, it, it was like, man, this should be, I mean, it's Undertaker coming back. And there's a part of me that would still argue, like, maybe they shouldn't have even done it. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It felt a little weird. Then he comes in. He destroys John Cena. He wins the match. And that's that. It's over. The question I have to then ask is, what's next for Cena? What's next for Taker? Do we use this as an opportunity to set up a career versus career match next year at Mania between the two of them? I don't know. I don't know. After this debacle, do you, who wants to see it? I, I get, I don't know. This was just... Right from the beginning, this whole build was screwed up. The match was screwed up. Like, it just seemed like they just, well, we got to have them on the card, so let's do this. I mean, two minutes, 45 seconds. I'm, I don't get me wrong. It's not even a match I really wanted to see. But once once the way they, they, they started building it up, and the buildup was just weird. I don't know. I'll tell you what. If you could have given me, if you could have given me John Cena from, you know, f- maybe five years ago uh, versus Undertaker from maybe, like, six or seven years ago, I would have wanted to see that match now. Yeah, then, yeah. But, I wouldn't, know, but here's the crazy thing. I wouldn't have wanted to see it then. It was That's what I'm trying to say. I would have yeah, wanted know, to see even... that match now. But because they're not who they were then, I, you know, it's probably the best that Taker could have done. I don't know. I, it just, I, I, I'm going to say something that might be even sacrilegious. I... Didn't want Undertaker to wrestle. I don't want to see Undertaker anymore. I loved Undertaker, but it's over. Like the, the, his last, however many media matches weren't good. Okay, um, I don't the, know. I, I don't agree with that. The match great. with Roman Reigns. The match with Roman like, Reigns was great. I didn't like it at all. Uh, I thought the match with but, Reigns was great. But let's face it, even his run, they weren't what they used to be. Man, okay, even the match with Roman good. Reigns was okay, but. Okay, he got through it. it you, you like it better than I did, but they no, did the whole send off. Right. But like, you, they did the whole like to me. Like I don't know. You had that as the main event last year, and it was built around this whole idea that the Undertaker was leaving. Yeah, you just cheapen that whole thing now. If that was the case, why did I have to suffer through Roman Reigns in the main event again? The only sure. reason that was supposedly the main event is because Undertaker was retiring. Well, I know well, they brought it back, up first like, thing. You know, the only awful. two men to beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania. You know, I know. I know, but here's the, here's the thing. I will I, look. I, I I will agree with you. I, I I maybe I spoke too soon, and it was more just for the sake of disagreement. Look, I think that the Roman Reigns match was actually probably the best Undertaker at WrestleMania match since the CM Punk match. I would even argue that the CM Punk match that he had uh, that he had with Taker might was the beginning of the end for the Undertaker because it was clear yeah, but he was that still, he, but he was still great. He still got through that in a great match. He yes, but it wasn't look. After the two Shawn Michaels matches and the Triple H matches, like it had been, it was, it was, it was start that, that was when the decline began. Do you know what I mean? And I think that, and I, and I think that the punk match, it it worked well. It it, it did what it needed to do. And it was a good match. It was a damn good match. And it's probably the last really good Undertaker match at Mania. Um, But yeah, I, man. I don't know. I just wish. I was in charge because, to be honest with you, his match against Triple H at 29, the Hell in the Cell match, the end of an era match, mm-hmm. that should have been it. That yeah. should have been the, I, I just feel like if The Undertaker had taken that point and retired and stayed retired, it would have been great. And then he came back and he lost to Brock Lesnar. That's fine. Whatever. But like you're saying, after the CM Punk match, that should have been it then. Like, yeah. Come on, I don't want to see The Undertaker having two-minute matches against 
at WrestleMania. It's like when I was a kid watching Joe, uh, Joe Montana play for the Chiefs. Sure. Or you watch somebody like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see The Undertaker uh, not hey, be The Undertaker. You know me, I'm a huge Brett Favre fan, and watching those last couple of seasons for him was painful as it just yeah, I, I get yeah, it. But like I get watch it. I, Undertaker like and I and I don't mean it as a knock on him. If anything, it's the opposite. Yeah. I'm trying to pay him the most respect I can. He's a legend. He's great. But this is what we've been reduced to now is not what we should see, especially at WrestleMania. Yeah. And and I just think even like you got through like the Roman match, which I didn't like, the way they ended it was perfect. It was perfect. It was one it of the most emotional have. it was one of the most emotional mania moments that I can think of. Uh and it should have been it. Yeah. Now what does that mean now? That was pointless. I, well, I don't know. We don't know look, I whereas whereas you know, I, I was pissing all over the Bray Wyatt stuff and the and the gender stuff. I think that in this case, it's not quite the same thing because it does leave you with the big question mark of what happens next. And you know that there most likely will be a next. Yeah, but and I don't so, want a next. Well, I that's mean, the that's the problem. That's fair, but I don't but, know. I, I Let me ask you this. Say they have a next and they do a match and it's a retire, uh, uh, career versus career match or whatever it is. It's not going to be the Undertaker we know and love. He's gone. The but guy it hasn't has been, it hasn't been for like five years. It hasn't been for five years. So why should it be any different now? Like if you're because able I to still tell a story, I didn't want the last five years. But yeah. I'm still saying once we got there, at the least the ending, the story part of the Roman Reigns match was perfect. Yeah. End on that. If like you're saying they can still tell a story, what story did they tell in two minutes and forty five seconds? You're having build ups now. Build up for a WrestleMania match. The Undertaker's not even doesn't have to show up at Raw anymore, right? Well, nothing, of course not. no video package, Look, nothing. Just and, and that made sense. Actually, it made sense, and it worked because you have seen it. the reason. Look, the reason why. I'm not saying I liked it. I'm not saying I disagree with you completely, but I will quibble with the fact that I do think it works is because you have John Cena call the Undertaker out, call him a coward, tell him he doesn't care about the fans, tell him he doesn't care about this, he doesn't care about that. John Cena decides to go as a fan, gets told that, hey, guess what? We think he's here. He goes, he gets ready for the match, and then all of a sudden, sure as shit, He's here, he comes down at the biggest show of the year in front of all the fans, and then he destroys John Cena as if to say, I'm not a coward, I do care, I still have something left in the tank, and you know what? I just showed you that I am still the Undertaker. And maybe that was something, maybe that was something that Vince wanted to show the fans, maybe that was something he wanted to show Undertaker, maybe I who knows? I you know, all I know and all I can think of is is that this whether you like it or not. This isn't the end of the story between the two of them. And, 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 and I am interested enough as a fan, I am interested enough to see what happens next. Let me I, ask you a question. Honest. Honest answer. Because mm-hmm. we were talking about him earlier being in a, in a match and we didn't understand why. What would you have rather seen at, at WrestleMania? The Undertaker, John Cena, or John Cena, Finn Balor? Well, John Cena, Finn Balor. Okay, so instead, we got Finn Balor in a match that like he didn't need to be in, and we got to see The Undertaker for 2 minutes and 45 seconds. Like, I'm just saying, not only do I not want to see The Undertaker like this anymore, it, it takes a match and a spot away from somebody else at this point. Now, I'm not saying, you know, The Undertaker can take a match whenever he wants. He's The Undertaker. Sure. But if we're going to get 2 minutes and 45 seconds, and it's like, 
but even that, it didn't feel like a, like, it wasn't like he came in and complete, like, I know it's a squash match because it's two minutes and 45 seconds, but it didn't look like he was on some unstoppable Undertaker. It just looked like they wanted to get it over with. I mean, yeah, but he did. Here's the thing. He did. He moved with more speed than I'd seen him move the past couple of years. Do you know what I mean? He had to do it for a minute and a half. Well, sure, sure, sure. Go back and look at even his his worst match, which I think his worst WrestleMania match. We probably agree was the Bray Wyatt one. I think his worst WrestleMania match was probably his King Kong Bundy match or the LG. No, I mean, I mean, of the last couple of years of the last couple of years. Yeah, probably the Bray Wyatt one. Okay, because it's definitely not it's not either one of the uh, Shawn Michaels matches. It's not no, either I mean, one the, of the, the Lesnar match when he got knocked for a loop, you know, wasn't he exactly wrestled great, better but... then with a concussion than to go to the hospital with than he had, did last year against uh, Reigns or the or against Wyatt. I disagree. I think the Roman Reigns match was actually better than the Brock Lesnar match. Maybe I'm looking at it in a different light because it's more historic because Brock won. Yeah, so it was a bigger story, but I don't know. Yeah. I think we're just yeah. going to agree to disagree, but it's it's funny though because we've talked more about the shortest match on the card than any of the others. Um, yeah. <laughs> next, we get up to the Daniel Bryan Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn match. Uh, I, I liked this a lot. I thought it was really good. I like. I liked it except for one thing. Tell me, and I think you could use most people's complaint with it. Uh, I I didn't I didn't like. I get it, but I didn't like the beginning of the match with Daniel Bryan being hurt. Um. You know, I it's just like you know, it's like a crutch. Let's just do this where he's gonna be in the stretcher and, and I know we didn't get taken away in the stretcher and everything, but like we waited so long to see Daniel Bryan wrestle, did we really need to see him on the side and wait? But I mean overall though, I, I guess that was if that's the only thing I didn't like, that's not a big deal. You're right, because but, here's the thing about it. I would say that you're absolutely right and I completely agree with you. My butt would be I, that meant so little to me in the ma- in, in the long term of the match that I, I that I basically just forgot about it because what I remember most about this match is Daniel Bryan in the ring looking like a million bucks. Oh yeah, I agree. Awesome exchanges it, with two of the best workers in you know. The WWE. I think the fact that the match was only fifteen minutes and he spent at least six or seven on the outside is why I felt that way. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah, would have just liked to have seen. But I, I guess it gave it, Shane a good opportunity to get his spots in and, and, you know, and still, you know, play injured, you know, face in peril. And then, and then, you know, Daniel Bryan gets to come in and, and, and really finish they, things strong. They, they, and, you know. they, I get it because they did do a good job. I'm sure there was people saying, you're kidding me. He's going to come all the way back and then not get in the match. Right. right so they right. had people, but overall, I mean, the only takeaway I have from that was once he got in there, he looked great. Yeah. And it's going to be very interesting to see where they go with this. Because well, good Lord, on Tuesday they have him in the main event against AJ Styles. I mean, it's clear where they're going to go. They're going to go well, and say yeah. this guy's a contender. Well, here's the problem they run into. And this is why we were talking during the match. I'm not saying it would have worked, but part of me was almost waiting for him to turn heel because I have this feeling that they're afraid of Daniel Bryan version two here because like now you're going to be in a position where he's back anything short of him having the belt is going to be not what the fans want so now no matter you know what i mean like it's almost be smart if they if they put him in the main event get the belt on him fast then do whatever they're going to do because they don't want that hanging over their head again here's the thing they've got they've got a they've got a big difference between you know four years ago and now and that is the brand split because now you don't have to have 
you know, one guy with these two belts. You've got these two big belts that you can chase. And so, you know, you can you can have your 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 Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar or whatever, but you can also still have, you know, your AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura, whatever. And who knows after, you know, the shakeup what's going to happen. But I think that it, it, that flexibility will not put them in the situation they were in four years ago where it was just sort of like, oh, you know, we're screwed. We're going to have to give them the belt because the fans are turning on us. So I think that I, I don't think they're going to have that same issue. And I think that I, 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 I there is no way you can turn Daniel Bryan heel. And I, no, I and I don't think they God would make that knows. mistake. I just don't. I, 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 I look, I don't necessarily always have faith in them, but I've got enough faith to say that they know that they're not going to be able to turn Daniel Bryan heel. Well, let's hope. Um, Whenever they do this stand, this shakeup, though, he almost has to be on a different show than Roman Reigns, right? Unless yes. they turn Roman Reigns heel. You are absolutely right. Yep. I mean, it, it only works if they're on the same show. If they put the belt on Roman and have Roman do a full on heel turn, yeah, which would work because he would be screwing Daniel Bryan over. But if they're not willing to do that, they got to put him on different shows. Because yes. every time Roman Reigns is in title contention, has a belt or is going anywhere near it, the fans are going to be in complete revolt. Yeah. Okay, no, well, we right. agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so next we got Nia Jax defeating Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. Yeah, the match was fine. Um, it was what it was. I don't have a problem with it. No. You know, it's, it was a feel-good story. I'm, I'm kind of glad Nia won. I love Alexa Bliss. I think she's a great champion. But, you know, I'd like Nia to have her, her moment and see what she does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when she won, I fully thought it was going to be because Carmella was going to cash in. Same here. Same here. Um, and then we get to what I think is going to have to be the most disappointing, uh, and, and critiqued match of the card, uh, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Look, it's no secret. Let's just say, yeah, for full disclosure, I think you were going to say it's no secret that we love AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Exactly. It's also no secret that, you know, between you and I anyway, that, I firmly believed that this was the time to, you know, to pull the trigger on Nakamura, especially after all the Jinder Mahal bullshit. I hated the finish of the match. I felt like they wrestled a match that lacked a certain energy, and I thought any minute they're going to kick it into the next gear and we're going to get the dream match and they're going to have laid this beautiful foundation, and it never happened, and then we got the finish that we got, and it felt like it came from nowhere, and it didn't mean anything, and it was just another opportunity for Vince to say, my company's better than yours. Although the argument there, of course, could be made, well, that's where AJ came from, and before that he was in TNA, and, you, you know, Yeah, but whatever. AJ's a full, full, in Vince's eyes now, AJ's a full-on WWE guy. Exactly. SmackDown is the house that AJ Styles built. I, exactly. I agree with you. Um, and Vince loves AJ. Vince, and, like, yeah. Vince loves AJ Styles so much that he was not initially going to pull the trigger on Nakamura at the Royal Rumble until AJ Styles convinced him and said, no, you don't understand. This has to be the match. Which makes me even more upset because they built it as a dream match. They said that this is going to be the match. Everybody, all the commentators, this is match is going to blow you away. This is going to be the best match in the year. Blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And at the end of the day, they didn't even put on one of the top Top three matches on the show, and I and, agree. And and that and, and was I don't know. Me. I don't know what happened here, because um, if you have New Japan World, you need to go look up their match from Wrestle Kingdom nine. And ten. I'm sorry, ten. Yeah. Nine was Ibushi right. and Nakamura, nine, which is yeah, also a bad. great match, and everybody should see it. But but yeah. you <laughs> need to go watch it. Um, to me, if it didn't have all the hype surrounding it. 
I would say it was a very good match. Yep. It'd be a very good match for a Backlash pay-per-view or, you know, a TLC pay-per-view or something like that. But the third from the top at WrestleMania, and let's face it, I mean, it was almost like the co-main event because the match after it was, was a joke. Yep. And that was that was the cooler in between the two title matches. Yep. So I, I, I don't even think, like, to me, AJ versus John Cena at... The Royal Rumble was better than this. Yep. Um, AJ versus Roman Reigns. Both of the matches against Roman Reigns, I thought, were better than this. Yeah. Um, and Nakamura is capable of putting on great matches. So I don't know what happened here. And you know what? I can understand AJ. AJ winning the match is the least of my problems with the match. Um, I mean, I guess you could see they're, they're turning Shinsuke heel. But why not have him win the belt in a heel manner? Yes. Well, you know, then you can have like to have AJ. I mean, to me, and I texted this right after you. It was I don't know if this was my company's better than yours or whatever. To me, it was almost like AJ is my guy. He's been so good for me. I want to give him a big moment where he keeps the belt of mania. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and I understood that, too. And here's the thing. I think that you are completely right. Had it not been built up as the dream match, had it not been built up by everyone that this is going to be a classic, then I would have had absolutely no problems. I would have felt like it's a good match. I think they can do better. And I think we'll probably see them do better. But again, you put them on WrestleMania. Like it just didn't make sense. You, why would you, why would you want to do all this hype and all this stuff? And I guess it's kind of the same thing, the same problem you have with the taker match in a way. And so eventually what we come to, of course, is that there's the heel turn by Nakamura. And when that happened, we both texted each other like, Oh, Oh, wait a minute, because there's no doubt, and, and SmackDown was proof of this, absolutely, he's going to be great. He's going to be, uh, you oh, know, incredible. When he, when he said, I'm sorry, and winked, and then all of a sudden he's yeah. like, I don't, but, but not only did he say I speak no English, he did it in an exaggerated accent. Yeah, no speak English. He's like, sorry, English. no yeah. speak English. But the thing about it, though, is like, I get everything, but if you, why not have him win the, the title? As and turn heel as he does it, it'd be that much more powerful of a heel turn, right? Yeah. But here's my gripe, and it goes back to when they had him lose to Jinder. He can win the title at Backlash. That'd be fine by me, or whatever they're going to do. Sure. But you only have an opportunity. Like I'm a big fan of when a guy wins his first title at Mania or SummerSlam, for example. Like to have him win his first title, even turning heel at mania is that much more powerful than if he wins it at backlash. Right. You know, he could have won the title against gender at SummerSlam and it would have been the main event at SummerSlam or he could have won against AJ. Like if you think of like, and, and I know not every wrestler's had this, but, and I know it wasn't even his first title run, but his first title reign. But like, you think of Daniel Bryan winning the title at mania, or you think about like when Shawn Michaels at 12 won the title, or there's been so many guys that like their first title win was at WrestleMania. It just seems like a bigger moment. Like you could have gave Shinsuke Nakamura his career defining moment right there was WWE career yeah, right there, but you still could have had him heel turn, had him turn heel. And how much better would the heel turn have been if he screwed AJ out of the title? Now AJ's on SmackDown def- demanding, you know, justice, demanding retribution, and you could have went from there. Right. Well, and the thing is, is uh, you know, also I think that if you, you had this opportunity that if they put on like a 25-minute Stone Cold classic, 
and 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 Shinsuke just you know he's he's thrown three Kinshasas at AJ and he can't pen him and 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 the frustration is mounting and and you know Shinsuke's kicked out of of uh, you know phenomenal forearm and he's kicked out of the Styles Clash and and it's like wow this is an epic battle for the ages and all of a sudden Shinsuke takes the shortcut and does the low blow and then hits another Kinshasa and gets the win then yeah exactly now you've you've done the heel turn you've given him the, the win at Mania you've put on a classic match that nobody would have cared or, or cried and you don't about. hurt AJ at all no and 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 in the end it's just sort of like all right it's fine whatever you know, it, it just sucks that at the end of it, it's just sort of like, okay, we're moving on. And 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 I always kind of feel like, you know, mania, in much in the same way, and I, I can't remember if I said this to you or not, because I know I thought about it after mania, it might have been too late, but I, the thing about it for me is that the Dome, and I know when comparing New Japan and WWE, it's apples to oranges a lot of the time, but the Dome show is always a culmination of everything that's come before. They don't use the dome to set up what comes next. And then, you know, when you get new beginning, then we start to set things up. WWE has a ready-made weekend. TakeOver was the culmination of everything that came before. And when we did get the one thing that's going to kind of set things up for what's next with the whole Roderick Strong turn, again, in the same way that the Nakamura turn had it been integrated into the match would have helped to tell a bigger story and then, you know, give us something to springboard off of but still feel like that culmination of what we needed from what came before as opposed to just sort of like checking off a box to get from point A to point B, it would have meant something. I agree with that. I mean, if you look at, again, it's not always fair to compare them, but New Japan uses the Dome show as the end of the year. And then they, the next year, the next night they have New Year's Dash and then the new beginning. Right. WWE almost uses WrestleMania as the beginning of their year. And I don't, I wish they didn't do that. I want them to wrap up the stories and then start fresh afterwards. You know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. They use um, this as a setup match, but speaking, it is what it is. Speaking of starting fresh, uh, someone began, uh, other than Ronda Rousey, began their WWE career at WrestleMania. Would that uh, be Nicholas? That would indeed be young Nicholas. Uh, unfortunately, sad, he had to uh, relinquish the he title. Had, well, the he had a scheduling night. conflict. What are you going to do? He's in school. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> now, did you know that? I did not know until the next day that that's the one referee's son. John Coyne, no, I think. I, I he was no the idea. one that took the bump when they had when the ring exploded. Okay, okay. Now, why his kid? I don't know. My initial reaction to that was, um, this must be like a Make-A-Wish kid right. or something. I didn't get it, but I will say this. It was funny. It didn't bother me because it was a four-minute match. It was a foregone conclusion that Braun Strowman was going to win. Right. It was something different. It was funny. The only complaint was I think people were bummed because everybody was waiting for some awesome surprise. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Ray Mysterio. Is it going to be Ray Mysterio? Is it going to be Big Cast? Is it going to like, be... Some people thought it was going to be Bray rather, Wyatt before he appeared I would have rather pre-show. Elias. Yeah. Sure. Why not? But when you look at what they did, this was just a way for them to win and then get the titles immediately off them. And, you know, because now they're going to have the, the Eliminator tournament to see who faces the bar at the greatest Royal Rumble ever. So, I mean, we really don't need to go into detail. It is what it is. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I, you know... I don't want to talk about this too much because I want to get us wrapped up after we talk about the main event. But I will say it's interesting because as we've seen the build towards the greatest Royal Rumble, it's almost like in some ways that they are treating that like a more important card than WrestleMania. And I... It definitely seems like a bigger card. 
I get why they're doing it for these financial reasons, but it, man, it's sure as hell, it can't help but sting a little bit because it's just kind of like, man, mania is mania. And, you know, all of these global aspirations that you've had over the past year and a half or so haven't paid off at all. The whole India thing with Jinder Mahal, they have, they, they're not making money. They're not, they're not, they're not selling billions of people to the network. It was a sham. They tried to do everything they could. They shoved gender down our throats, down their throats, and it didn't net them anything. But then, but then they did silly stuff, like when they went on the tour in India, they had Triple H beat them. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. But we, we've talked enough already about right. that. Yeah. Main event time, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Universal Championship. Uh, you know, we I the think I like this match more than you did. Because I got the feeling that you weren't real big on this match. Look, I thought I look. I got to be honest with you. Uh, I, I need to rewatch it. Maybe I won't think this when I rewatch it. But the match just didn't. It didn't have anything. It didn't. It was. It just didn't have any heat. It didn't have any heat. And, 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 and the thing is, here's why it didn't have heat. And, and this is why a gamble didn't pay off. They tried to shell, they tried to sell you that Brock Lesnar was leaving. They tried to sell you that Brock Brock Lesnar didn't care about you anymore. They tried to sell you that Roman Reigns was standing up for the WWE universe and he was going to take the fight to Brock Lesnar and he's the chosen one and that's okay. They even tried to they even tried to tell you that Vince McMahon loves Brock Lesnar and doesn't like Roman Reigns. And, yeah, and it's, how, it, how far-fetched is that idea? Yeah, and at the end of the day, it fell completely, 100% flat on its face to the point that when they swerved us, because Brock Lesnar re-signed with the WWE and, and, and he retained the title at WrestleMania when everybody was sure that he was going to lose, it didn't even seem to matter. It popped the crowd, it shocked the people at home, but it wasn't nearly what it would have been had they really been able to sell us what they've been shoveling for the past six weeks. Yeah, no, I agree. I just liked the the match itself. I liked uh, it was. I, I thought it was what it needed to be, and whether it was done on purpose or not, I mean, you can say whatever you want, but that match definitely intensified when Roman got busted open. And for oh, anybody who hasn't seen it, I'm well. I know it was intentional, but I don't think it was intentional to bleed like that. Probably not. But the fact that they didn't stop it, that they didn't have somebody come out with a towel and towel them down, I think was just sort of like it was. Well, they probably figured they were. They knew they were at the end. Well, that's true too. Yeah, they were just going to let her go home. But now, I mean, obviously, I think I don't think there's be anybody that would be listening to our podcast that hasn't seen WrestleMania. But for some weird reason, you haven't seen it. When we say he was busted open, I mean he was. Gushing blood. Yeah, it was it was running down his like dripping off his face. It was all over Brock. Yeah. I mean, and, and when he got the elbow, it was only about fifteen seconds later he stood up and he looked like he, he mean, looked like he was in a war. It was an, it was probably an eight, maybe even a nine on the Muda scale. I mean, it was it was pretty brutal. It was a bloodbath. Yeah, and um, I mean, I wasn't expecting a technical masterpiece between these two anyway. But um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I, and I and I know that's like sounds silly for me to say. Oh, it got because of the blood. But that match, if he doesn't get busted open, that's not the same feeling. Look, I will be. You know I what will, I mean? Like I'm that's never, not the same. 
I agree. And I will never be one of those guys that sits here and tells you about all the reasons why we shouldn't use blood. I'm not going to sit here and say that every match should have blood in it. I'm not going to say that at all. But I'm like Jim Ross. When Jim Ross talks about like Hell in a Cell or Elimination Chamber or Cage matches, he'll always note, even though he understands why it's not done and health safety, etc., etc., he always notes that it was a surefire way to turn things up a notch when you added a little color to a match. And it's the reason why it was done. Look, there it was definitely a time. Sparingly, there was a time when WWE a while, overdid it. Spot. Yep. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I mean the Eddie Guerrero. Like, if anybody doesn't see this, I think Roman Reigns was bleeding worse than Eddie Guerrero was in that pull rope match. Man, I don't know if At it was least, that bad, but it was close. Yeah, well, because he. Well, the only reason I say I think it was bleeding worse is just because he was covered in ten seconds. Yeah. Like if that match had kept going and going, that would have been. You know what I mean? If he kept bleeding like that. Yeah, I mean Eddie was bleeding profusely, but for a while, so it was right. all over. But now, the old saying, right? Red equals green. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Blood red turns the dollar green. So um, I and think, I think th- another reason I like this match is just because Brock won. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm too. I'm not the world's biggest Brock Lesnar fan, but I can't stand Roman Reigns, and I know that's the in thing to be. Yeah. Um, My problem with Brock Lesnar is that. And I know that Paul Heyman would probably tell me he doesn't have to. And, 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 and that's fine, because how in the hell, who am I to argue with Paul Heyman? But the problem I have with Brock Lesnar is we know he's capable of more, and he doesn't do it. And it's just sometimes I just want to say, look, you can go out there and throw guys around and, and hit a few strikes and then F5 them and win a match and, and, and we're supposed to believe it and that's fine. But if that's all you're ever going to do, why should I care? Because you start to lose your shine after a while and this whole idea of, well, that's why we only have them around every you know two, three months or whatever, it's gotten to the point where it's like, that's not good enough anymore. You know, I'm not saying that the champion has to be on every Monday Night Raw. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not even necessarily saying he's got to be at every pay-per-view. But if you only have him on four pay-per-views a year, then, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Here's my thing. I like Brock Lesnar as an attraction. I just like when Brock Lesnar is not the champion. And they bring him in, it's a grudge match or a match for this or a match for that. I just don't like when he's the champ and he's never around. Yeah. Like, And I don't want Roman to be the champ, but like, if they had put the belt somehow on, like, say, Seth Rollins or something like that, and this was this Roman versus Brock was just a feud, you know, they, they wanted to see who the better man was or whatever it was, then it would be easier to digest. Right. But, you know what I mean? Oh, That's yeah, all. no. I know exactly what you mean. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here. It, it, you know, I, I question as to whether or not... Uh, they're going to give Reigns the title at the cage match at Greatest Royal Rumble, or if you would Reigns figure, they almost have to because how much longer can they go with Brock not being around as the champ? Yeah, I mean, I guess they could. I, I said this months ago, and they just keep doing it. But right, well, and I think that the, I think that there's there's here's here's my thought. One, they they have Lesnar go over in the cage match, and, and Reigns ends up going down, and 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 they're kind of like back to square one with Reigns, uh, which is fine with me, whatever. And then they bring on the next challenger, and whether that challenger is Braun Strowman or or Samoa Joe, who's you know who I think it should be, uh, who knows? And 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 I would like to think that they that 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 because of their earlier interactions and because Joe is is a badass, that that they would end up actually giving the title uh, uh, win to. Joe. If somebody's going to knock Lesnar off, that's who I'd like to see do it. And I don't think that it's just a, a, a smart fan's perspective or whatever. Not that I would call myself a, you know smart or anything like that. I you know I think that 
there are a lot of fans, old, young, new, you know, etc., that would buy that win. So well, we'll see what happens. Right. I think I, I think you know I think there's a good shot that Reigns wins in the cage, and 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 if that does happen, then I think we're probably going to get you know uh, Reigns Strowman round two and, and whatever. That's fine, but we'll see. The superstar shakeup things could you know could change a bit. Um, I'm hoping they change things up a good amount. I want to see some new feuds and some new matchups. And me too. We'll see. I mean, hell, we could we could, and it would be damn good. Because of what happened last time, we could end up getting AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar. I'd be fine with that. Absolutely. That, that was a great match. I it was, that was a great damn match. good match. Yeah. So anyway, Mania. Look, I, I, I am in the camp, and I think that there are, there are some... There's, there's kind of two camps about this Mania that I have read a lot of. There are people that are like, yeah, it was a great Mania, you know, fantastic, whatever. I'm of the camp, however, that says... You know, for the for the first like half of that card, it was a legitimate run at one of the best manias ever. Like it was that good up until about halfway through when it just fell off and it turned into, a, you know, just okay. You know, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a little bit more positive. I enjoyed sure. the whole card. Now, of course, there's things I don't like, and when we critique each match, I, I I'm more prone to point out the things I didn't like because they stick in your head more. Of course. But the bottom line is I was entertained the whole time. Yep. Um, a lot of the outcomes weren't what I expected or predicted, which was good. It kept me on the like you know on the edge of my seat. Um, overall, I think now I'm not we're not going to go through Raw and SmackDown. We don't have time. But if you take the whole weekend, uh, I thought they did a really good job. And to me, though, NXT was the highlight of the week. Yeah, which I think- I, it always seems to be. I agree, and I and I think in summation, and again, I we, a I don't think we need to go through Raw and SmackDown because that's not necessarily what we do. When the main reason we wanted to cover it is because it's Mania weekend. Yeah, I mean, but this I is going to be the most WWE centric episodes we're going to do all year. Probably, yeah. Um, but what I will say is that I agree. When you put the whole package together and you look at you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, it was a very successful weekend. You know, run of shows for WWE. I think that they did accomplish a heck of a lot. I think that there. Were some big missteps, but I don't think it's anything that's going to ruin any character or you know any any performer. It's not going to ruin anything for the future. It's not you know it's that they didn't create any catastrophic moments where you're you know you're pulling your hair out saying why in the hell would they not have Daniel Bryan in the Royal Rumble or you know whatever. Um, so I, I, I think that 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 they've they've set the table in some interesting ways. They fell short in some ways, and I think that it is kind of unfortunate that Mania. Overall, for me, ended up kind of being the low point, whereas like Takeover, Raw, and SmackDown ended up being higher points. So I agree. So, yeah. I, I just if, if you know what, and I think we're on the same thing. If that Nakamura AJ match lived up to the hype, we'd be talking about one of the greatest manias of all time. I completely agree. But it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, and hey, we got a lot to look forward to, and uh, when, when we come back next week, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm going to talk about Shimmer and. Uh, uh, rise yeah. from this weekend a bit, but we'll also uh, be be bringing some more New Japan news. Um, yeah, well, that'll be picking up, and you know, yeah, that that was the primary focus of our podcast. Although you can't tell by this this conversation today, but right, right. Uh, you got anything else you want to add? I think we're no, just, about just out of here. I, well, all I wanted to say was. Um, you know, our podcast has only been on iTunes for like two days, right. and people people are listening. I was surprised that we have like as many subscribers as we do already, and I just want to thank people. Um, if you listen to the show and you like it, and you know other wrestling fans, you know, let them know we exist. Um, we have a, you know, we're on Facebook, Twitter. You can send us an email. We're we're on iTunes now and Stitcher. So, you know, hopefully, word gets out. I mean, we're not doing this for any other reason to have fun, and we'd like to interact more with other wrestling fans. 
Absolutely. And uh, uh, I checked the show notes this time around for links to everything. Uh, I didn't have it up last time because it was our first episode that we submitted. So God I damn you, Sam. The, God I know, right? damn you. <laughs> so so uh, I'll have everything in the show notes this time, so you'll be able to check us out on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, the you know, And again, we're also on Stitcher, Google Play. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, send us a message at KOPW72 on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Any, any comments, questions, anything? We'd love to engage with the fans. It's something that's, you know, that's the reason why we started doing this. We love engaging with each other. We, we would love to engage with you guys. And who knows, by the time September 1st rolls around, maybe we'll try and do some sort of meetup or, you know, maybe we'll even be a part of that whole StarCast, you know, weekend thing uh, with all the other podcasts and, and have some real fun. So, uh, yeah, man, Paul, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to next time already. And uh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to go home. Uh, but everybody have a great week in the meantime. Yeah, have fun. Thank you very much. Paul and I thank you so much for checking out this episode of the King of Pro Wrestling podcast. Obviously, we strayed a little bit from our mission, which is to cover New Japan Pro Wrestling pretty much exclusively. Obviously, we're going to take some uh, digressions here and there. But in the meantime, we wanted to uh, not miss out on the opportunity to talk about what we felt literally was one of the best North American wrestling supercards in quite a long time in NXT TakeOver. It really was incredible. The first and last match are, are worth your time. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Um, so definitely check those two out. Uh, they're going to certainly be of the quality that you would come to know and love and expect uh, as a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. Obviously, WrestleMania was not quite the same story, uh, but we enjoyed talking about it nonetheless and would have felt uh, remiss not to as wrestling fans. So we wanted to present this as a bonus episode. It is not necessarily in line with the continuity of episodes that we'll be producing. So the episode after this will actually be episode three. This is indeed a bonus episode. But speaking of episode three, we're very excited. We're going to be able to talk about the Road to Dantaku shows. Um, should have a fun time doing that. We're also going to introduce our new segment, which we'll be talking about uh, classic matches on New Japan Pro Wrestling World. We're going to start off with uh, Andre the Giant and Antonio Inoki from December of 1974 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And uh, that's my pick, Sam's pick. And then uh, Paul's pick is actually going to be the uh, Liger Sasuke um, semi-final match from the Super J Cup in 1994 uh, which is you know almost uh, let's see what's that 24 years ago to the day that we're dropping this um, so yeah we hope that you'll join us for that we look forward to any of your comments questions anything um, and if you uh, have listened to this just because we're talking about Wrestlemania hopefully you'll stick with us and listen to what we have to say about New Japan uh, if you are uh, a fan of ours because of the New Japan stuff then we've got plenty more New Japan action coming at you real soon and if you'd like to interact with us please find us on twitter at kopw72 or check out our facebook page king of pro wrestling podcast you can also find our website at kopw72.podient.co that's kopw72.podient.co of course we look forward to interacting with all of you we're also active on the new japan pro wrestling subreddit so please uh, feel free to shout at us and we would love to have a dialogue with any and all of our listeners thanks so much